episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on June the 4th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, preparing for a lackluster week? Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played this week. We will have a little E3 2019 preview discussion. Microsoft is bringing Xbox games to PC. The loot box ban bill introduced to the the Senate with bipartisan support. Todd Howard spews some bullshit. <laughs> World Health Organization gaming disorder classification violates cultural freedoms, South Korean Cultural Ministry says. Clicker Heroes is removed from the App Store after Chinese company clones the game, claims trademark, and requests removal. We will discuss Community Game Night and Community Corner and have our weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. I remembered how to do the show this week. <laughs> Hello, Rage. How are you? Uh, injured. Indeed. I know about your injury, but tell the good people about your injury. Well, I was uh, cooking uh, Saturday night. I think it was Saturday. I, I, I posted a couple of times on Twitter. So, yeah, you can go back in my Twitter feed if you really want to uh, figure out exactly when. And I was pitting some uh, cherries, and the cherries I got from uh, the store like a week or so beforehand were rather firm. So the usual way of uh, either using a straw or a chopstick to push the mm-hmm. cherry pit out wasn't working. So, you know, I was going uh, to, I was just splitting the cherries with a paring knife and, you know, flicking them out. It was going pretty well until I got to like the last uh, couple then I nicked my thumb. And because the cherries I was using was rather cold, it had numbed my fingertips enough where I didn't feel it at first. Yeah. And I just looked down and I saw this trickle of red. I thought, wow, that cherry is really juicy. <laughs> because at this point, my hands were just you know pink from uh, all the juice. And then I, then I started to feel it. I thought, oh, I guess I got myself. So, yeah, uh, I ended up uh, slicing my thumb actually pretty uh, well. Uh, Is it well to slice your f- thumb really bad, or would uh, that be... Um, uh, well, it's one of those things. Is it good, or is it well, right? Right, right. Uh, because uh, I If ca- I was there, I'd kiss your boo-boo. I'm not falling for that one again. I love how you've fallen for everything once. <laughs> It's always I'm not falling for that one again. I've gotten you once on everything so far. Well, you try everything once. That is very true. That is very true. Thank you for having such an open mind (laughs) to try all of those things with me. Wink. Yay, I got him. I got him. Well, it is Pride Month, so everyone's a little gayer this month. I'm gay as fuck all the time already, though, so... Yeah, but now you're as gay as a handbag full of rainbows. I wish I had a handbag full of rainbows. Would that just be a a handbag full of Skittles? Taste the rainbow. Didn't they get in trouble last year because uh, they produced an all-white Skittle saying they were giving up their rainbow for Gay Pride Month? And everybody took it it as being anti-gay when it was exactly the opposite? Or I should say the screeching harpies on... 
uh, Tumblr took it as, uh, you know, anti-gay. I think it was last year. Now you're Googling this, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. 2017 was when they did it. Oh, so it. two years ago. Yeah. But, yeah. People were upset that they chose white, according to this article. Actually, that looks pretty cool. It looks like you can actually color the packages mm-hmm. or color the... Yeah, it looks like you could take like some markers or pens and color that in. That's cool. And it says, give the rainbow, taste the rainbow. To celebrate Pride Month. Yeah, but of course, because it was white, that uh, that's problematic because it implies white power? Question mark? <laughs> Possibly. Pro- probably. Yeah, but... Skittles is accused of racism for making white Skittles uh... from somewhere called nationalreview.com. And the question is, is that satire or not? I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing, is that in the inside, all Skittles are white. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny, but it was. Welcome to the gay portion of the podcast, listener. Also known as every portion where Jared talks. True that. True that. Um, we are off to a little bit of a late start because we were uh, extra distracted tonight, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I look at distraction. Why don't we go ahead and talk about games that we played this week? I'm interested to hear about so, your game. Yeah, uh, well, we both have one from the, well, not most recent because there's a new one out now, but a more recent Humble Bundle. And also uh, in the cheap, uh, uh, cheapo section as well. <laughs> so this is uh, going to be the tiny build <laughs> semi-game club now. <laughs> Where I sort of yeah, where I took a look at Punch Club, which was the only game out of that uh, group that I didn't have, and uh, yeah. but this game reminds me a lot of Domica uh, of Domica, which was the Gladiator Training School uh, uh, indie game from uh, I guess it was a couple of years back now, and not for the obvious parallels of you know training up a fighter or a group of fighters, but also the fact that sometimes sticking to your vision isn't necessarily indicative of good game design. This game has grind. This game has a lot of grind. This game has more grind than a barista giving a lap dance. Okay. That's an interesting expression. I approve, but it's interesting. (laughs) And most of that is due to a two-word phrase for that is very, very painful for any game that is based around skills. Stat decay. Okay. The, the game, I don't like the sound of that. Oh, uh, trust me, you're not going to like this. Uh, well, uh, let me go over what Punch Club is first, then we'll get into this. Punch Club is a tycoon slash management game where uh, you play a uh, amateur boxer whose father was killed, and uh, you're breaking into the amateur boxing scene while also managing uh, the boxer's life, 
Uh, there's a little bit of love story going on. Uh, there's a lot of references. Uh, like, at one point, you fight through all four of the Ninja Turtles in a side quest. Only they're alligators. And they're also okay. uh, named after game developers. There's Gabe, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Steve. Now I'm blanking on the fourth one. But, yo. Uh, Gabe Newell, uh, Bill Gates... Uh, Steve Jobs, and I'm blanking on the fourth one, but yeah, uh, uh, well, game developers, but bi also big tech names. Uh, there's uh, a Ninja uh, Turtle costume also in the background as well as one of the areas. There's also a raiding costume. There's all sorts of like little humorous uh, anecdotes and little uh, humorous references. Like the uh, one of the first lines you uh, come across of dialogue is, uh, "Give me your." Uh, your shades, your shoes, and your motorcycle from Terminator. Yeah. Even though you're not riding a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Punch Club uh, has a humorous take on uh, the management genre. The problem is that it also makes it extremely tedious because you're having to balance building up your stats, fighting against stat, stat decay the entire time. A rather substantial stat decay, even on normal mode. Uh, to the point where I'm maxed out, or, or I should say, I started to get, get to the really bad portion of the stat grind when I was with, when I was in like an hour or two, where I was having trouble even progressing, that I was just losing too many stats uh, at the end of the day to even make headway. Which is not a fun game design to begin with. <laughs> mm -hmm. And on top of that, the game has you know, your typical skill tree. And if you go far enough in the basic skill tree, it unlocks an advanced skill tree that, uh, focused around one of the three stats. Uh, strength, agility, or stamina. And uh, each stat has a, a, ver uh, a various, essentially fighting school where agility is a lot more dodge focused and... Uh, about getting quick, small hits in. Stamina is about soaking up a lot of damage by having a lot of health, so it's a lot of... Uh, yeah, essentially the tank build. While Strength is able to shrug off a fair amount of damage, but uh, also is hard hitting. And each of the trees uh, kind of uh, focuses on that. But the thing is, as you go up the skill tree, every time you pick up a skill, it increases the cost of all skills. So it really makes it where you have to min-max, which I really don't like. Yes, you can uh, min-max in these sort of games, but to be felt like I'm forced to do so to make any sort of headway is not fun. Right. Especially uh, towards uh, the end of my second game where I went to easy mode that turns off the stat decay, which on easy mode... Where it's no stat decay, I'm still having to grind a lot to level up. So, with stat decay, I can't imagine someone uh, doing that. And, you know, not just gaming the system where, you know, it's a very overpowered build. Which, you know, once again, we're getting to the part where, you know, game, uh, your game design vision doesn't necessarily make it a good game, right? Or a good game right. to the general public. 
which is where I kind of tie into uh, to Dominica, where uh, they had this vision of very short, you know, hour or two hour games. So they didn't need to have the save functionality. Well, they lost a lot of sales because of that. So they eventually had to patch it in, but it was kind of, you know, haphazardly done. And uh, at the start, it wasn't done very well. So it introduced some bugs and caused some more problems. Well, the same here, where they had to eventually just patch in an easy mode, but they also broke some of the aspects aspects later on, and also the game is not balanced around that. So it goes from very, very difficult, even on normal mode, to a cakewalk. It just, you gotta grind, grind, grind away to, you know, get anywhere. Which is a real shame, because it's an interesting game. Uh, it's essentially a Rocky movie, uh, whenever you boil it down with some uh, rather interesting moral choices. Uh, mostly going either a lawful approach of following the sanctioned uh, flights uh, and uh, racing through the ranks that way, or going essentially Street Fighter route and going into underground fights in a lot more risky fights which appears also to be a slightly shorter route, but also it branches off into a different story path. And that's just the two main story paths. There's also some uh, little side stories along the way, like the Ninja Turtles path is its own little like side story that gets you something. But also all the fights give you additional skill points, which, like I said, start to be a very ludicrous grind and ludicrous uh, um, skill points. Uh, well, sink. Because, yeah, the first point one's uh, one point. The second one's two points. The third one's three points. You know, and it just climbs and climbs and climbs to where I think in my... In, or uh, It's not even end game. I'm, uh, like, in the fourth chapter of five. And every new skill now is, like, 25 to 30 skill points. Which, winning a fight only gives you five or six going training and paying out money to either, you know, uh, use the hand pads or to just spar only net you three. And you can only do that once a day. So, you know, 10 games of game, uh, of day, uh, uh, game time, 10 days of game time. Oh, I don't know why I stumbled over that to net you one new skill. Seems a little extreme, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems like it takes up a disproportionate amount of overall playtime. I think that's also comes down to just the fact that they had this focus on the skill uh, decay to such a degree that even in the in the early game, you were uh, losing a good uh, third to a quarter of, or sorry, a quarter to a third of your skill points uh, in a level. And I'm not sure how that translates to later on because each time it feels like it just is that amount of skill points doubled over and each of the uh, exercises to do, like uh, skipping rope will give you stamina and agility while running on the treadmill will give you just stamina. Uh, Using the speed bag will just give you agility. But then you have other combined things like uh, punching the body bag will give you a little bit of everything but because you want to focus on a particular skill set uh maybe two skills 
those combined ones are just there to stave off the decay. But you're also wasting time because you're always on the clock whenever you're using these skills. And and here's the, the real stancher, especially with a skill decay, is that if you use a particular exercise too much, it starts to have diminishing returns until it just doesn't give you anything anymore. So, yeah, you know, it's just that weird, you know, what were they thinking on this, right? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Is there a way to turn it off? Uh, I, uh, only thing easy mode does, it turns off skill to hate. It still has the thing where after a, a short time, it goes from giving full experience to, uh, essentially two thirds experience and half experience and just a quarter experience and it's gone and it, and you automatically stop uh, doing the exercise, which stops the clock. It honestly is sort of a pseudo clicker slash auto game. Where, you know, you set up some, it's a good, actually, second, uh, monitor game where you could just put on the secondary monitor and do something, and then, uh, you know, poke around online for a few seconds, and then go back and click on something else. It's completely mouse driven, uh, and it is on mobile as well. So I'd imagine it'd probably be a better mobile title than anything. But it's just, there's just the odd, uh, grinds that just doesn't make sense in this game. Like, once you get to the fourth chapter, so uh, in both storylines, essentially, once you enter the third chapter, everything that you've done in the first couple, outside of the skill progression for your character himself, is kind of wiped clean. Uh, and you go away, uh, I don't want to say where, but I did tell you where uh, for one of the storylines, because it's humorous. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, that w- that was funny. Yeah, let's just put it this way: you fight li- a, a literal bear at one point. Uh, that should give you an idea of yeah, some humorous tones to this game. But anyway, once you come back, you still have to build up your skill points, but on top of that, you also have to manage fame because you're trying to become the world champion. On at least the storyline that I'm taking. I'm not sure if it uh is, has a mirror counterpart, but you also have to. Uh, because you're trying to build up your fame, you're trying to balance the two, and there's a lot of idle components here where, uh, in order to build up your fame, you have to go either like shoot a movie or do commercials or that sort of thing. And doing that is literally just sitting there and watching a bar tick up. And even fighting is just very passive, which, you know, is a little bit weird. It's a strategic, yes. But it's uh, completely passive. The only thing that you choose is essentially the skills that you could use in between the rounds. So, uh, and uh, manage your energy uh, indirectly via, uh, via what skills you choose. So if you choose a lot of high energy uh, cost moves, uh, you uh, have a chance to deplete your energy and it lets you get knocked down, which essentially gives the enemy a couple free punches in on you when you're getting back up. Thankfully, no TKOs. That's a good thing. Especially uh, using a boxer that has a really high strength because strength also depletes your energy a lot faster for some reason, question mark. It increases the uh, energy cost of all your skills. But uh, Having high strength? Yes. Huh. I, I guess maybe the thought is it 
increases the energy cost because they what do more damage. Uh, there are so like skills that you get. Harder. There are skills that you can earn to. There are essentially modifiers. So like, one of them uh, for me was uh, uh, any skill or any punch that I throw that I miss. It cuts the cost of energy expended on it, which was pretty much a requirement for my build. Mm-hmm. But then there are some uh, like really really dumb ones like. Uh, late in the strength tree, there's the ability to uh, do an extra, I think it was 10 or 20% damage, but you can no longer block. Okay. Which makes absolutely no sense because uh, there's the, the fighting in this game feels very random. I mentioned before that uh, you're not in direct control. You're essentially setting your skills in between rounds and letting them go. But there's some times that uh, my guy would just stand there and do nothing, which was extremely frustrating. I mean, he had the energy to attack, but he would just, uh, you know, sit there, you know, leave himself wide open, and then you know, get comboed and lose a third of his health. And there's you no know, no way to prevent that. So yeah. That it's a like I said, it's a very flawed game, but. That's kind of my take on a lot of tiny build uh, uh, published games is that I like the idea of them, but there's something about them that I always find that just puts me off, which is disappointing. I do hope that the sequel to this, which they have confirmed that they are working on a sequel, fixes some of the issues. But I do hope that they do keep some of the camp, even though sometimes... It felt like the game decided, and eh, you know, it's time for some story. And no matter you know, how low a health or energy you have, oh, which is also something else, is that you have to manage your energy, of course, and your food, of course. Uh, but you also have to manage your mood and your overall health. Your overall health is a modifier onto your uh, 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 HP in fights. Your mood uh, makes it so that if you're below a certain threshold, your uh, overall training it has less impact because you're depressed. So you have to waste more time to go put yourself in a better mood, especially if you lose a fight. You know, you don't don't get fired up or anything. You just uh, go mope about in the gym uh, unless you go do something about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I sort of like the sound of this game, but I really dislike skill decay. Although you said easy mode turned that off. Yeah, easy mode turns it off, but you still have to grind like crazy. Uh, to uh, be able to do anything, uh, late, or, or not even late game, mid late game, and even then, you know, uh, it w- I was saying there, you know, just uh, clicking a couple times and you know, going doing something else for a bit, you know, poking around on my phone or uh, you know, browsing the web, watching a YouTube channel, you know, watching the U of Tubes, right? Yeah, and then good old YouTubes. Yeah, that that said, I uh, there were storylines I didn't touch. Like, uh, they had a free DLC at one point uh, called uh, the Dark Fist, where at a certain point in the main storyline, you find a briefcase uh, that's pointing you to crime. So you do the logical thing and uh, become a superhero. 
right? Yes. And uh, the uh, and you put on a mask, uh, like a Ninja Turtle mask, you know, just covering the eyes, and that's it. <laughs> and nobody re- realizes it's you. <laughs> I mean, it's all you need, right? Uh, a very tiny mask or a pair of glasses, unrecognizable. Or a mustache. Actually, I do like the idea of Clark Kent not being recognized as Superman. Uh, if you ever seen, uh, I have. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, that that one scene in the original Superman movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that one makes sense. But that's also m- more how he holds himself than just the glasses. But yeah, uh, that gets rather silly at one point. Uh, you. Uh, steal a laser from a bunch of bad guys uh, who stole it from a uh, rather obsessed uh, scientist who just wants to hold his laser in his arms again. (laughs) (laughs) And that is an actual line from him. So the bad guys, in order to get the laser back, stole my cat uh, to hold it hostage. But then I uh, got to the point of no return without any warning, so they got to keep the cat. Uh, it's okay, Good. I'm rich, I could buy a new cat. Poor Mr. Fluffles. I, actually, I think it is Fluffy. Little Fluffer now. But, yeah, but then uh, uh, Dong King, or uh, sorry, uh, Ding Kong, uh, uh, signed me up to be his manager, so, you know, I couldn't uh, say no. And he uh, assumes that I can't even uh, read English because of where I was. <laughs> so he just tells me, sign this. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. But yeah, I would say that if you could overlook some of the inherent flaws or you know, go into it with being a little less critical than I usually am, which, let's be honest, is most people. It's an interesting game to check out. Uh, I will say that it, uh, it does feel very mobile-esque. Uh, just in the fact of the skill decay and a lot of uh, sent around waiting. Uh, all the jobs, which there are a few, are you know, sitting there and wait for a timer to go off, essentially. Which you know, is fairly short, but still. you know, There's a, a, a fair degree of strategy about it. Just figuring out what skills work best for your particular build. And also how to counter certain builds. Because you'll run into certain... Uh, characters that uh, may uh, be like you may run into uh, Master Bruce, who is in no way Bruce Lee, who uh, is a high agility character, so uh, they're very accurate and may try to just stun lock you essentially. And you may have to figure out how to deal with that, or you may run into, you know, uh, definitely not Hulk Hogan, who is a very strength based character. Good old Hulk Hogan. Uh, no, it's Kulk Kogan. Kulk Kogan. Yep. You're right. Definitely not Hulk Hogan. Brother. <laughs> but yeah, there, there is a fair amount here, uh, especially with all the various storylines and uh, figuring out some of the backstory because there's uh, yeah, some double drag references to the storyline of what's going on. There's some uh, mysticism about it. There's uh, an underground fight club, or sorry, punch club, 
Uh, see what they did there? Yep, I see what they did there. Uh, where, yeah, there, there's a lot of mystery going on uh, to unravel. If you could stand all the grind and all the limitations that the developers put on the game. It's just, this feels uh, like Domica all over again, where it's a really good game hidden behind a flawed vision of what the developer thought a really good game was. Right. And sometimes well, uh, sometimes the developers are right about their vision, but also sometimes they're wrong. And this is uh, one of those times that playtesting. Yeah. I'm sure I'll play it at some point because I have it from the, the bundle. But I'm not sure when that will be. I will say it was definitely so. worth the dollar I paid for, you know, an interesting time. But yeah. I doubt I'll ever beat it. Plus, if you go easy mode, it disables the achievements anyway. Yeah, I don't really care about achievements that much usually, though. Except when you do. So. Yeah. But I'll, I'll probably be fine with that. Um, Sweet. So, games I played this week. Uh, I finished Anthem. So, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And I have, like, experienced, like, a very teeny tiny touch of Cataclysm, which came out, like, last week. It's, like, a Also, poison. Deathwing came out? Yeah. The, the, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. So, it keeps you from, from accessing the Cataclysm stuff until after you... Um, finish the main story because then it takes you like through this whole thing and it's like oh here's these guys that were referenced in the game we found them again are they back and I think that's what Cataclysm is supposed to be but it doesn't really seem to to tell you anything more but so anyways I, I did I finished the story um the final boss so the rest of the the game towards the end basically played out like what I discussed last time when I was talking about the first. You know, it basically doesn't make a difference whether or not you play by yourself or with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Even there's one sort of almost like a boss rush or mini boss rush type level that's taking you through like this sort of history of the world and um, or history of several important characters from the world and like unlocking some stuff for you. Cause it's like a trial you have to pass. And, um, because the game crashed on me during that, I had to do it twice. And the first time I did it with people and the second time I did it by myself and it literally made no difference <laughs> in the boss rush. Um, as in no as difference how- in the difficulty or no uh, difference in the content. No difference in the content and no appreciable difference in difficulty. I assume because of scaling factors. But so it really literally makes no difference whether you play by yourself or with other people uh, for 99.9% of the game. But that all falls apart at the final boss. Oh, boy. So so the final boss is you circle back around to it literally where the game starts and you retread the same initial path but you're in your like leveled up you know badass javelin instead of like the level one one it gives you for that opening area you face down the giant creature that like killed all of your friends in the opening part of the game which is a big 
showpiece for how this game actually would work with AI companions instead of human ones. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. It's never going to happen because it would make sense to turn this into a single player adventure. <laughs> but anyways, um, you go back through, you have this pretty epic fight against what you think is, well, not what you think, but what is, it feels like, you know, stage one of a boss. And then like the big bad who's been fighting you the whole game shows up and you fight him and you beat him. And then he does some things and becomes like a giant monster. (laughs) And then the game decides, oh, hey, that's right. We're supposed to have other players around to make this possible. And then it just like drops a massive difficulty spike on you. (laughs) I don't, like, I mean, I'm sure if you are skilled enough, you could beat this solo with any class. I don't know how, though, just, like, a regular person could beat it with any class other than the one that I was using. Uh, the, the Colossus. Um, because I have, like, ten, roughly ten times the health of the next strongest class. And a shield that is, my, my shield is deployable and... Um, can withstand more than 10 times the amount of shield damage that the next highest class can. And, like, you know, one of the things that you can do is you can pull. You know, you can taunt with that class and you can pull enemies towards you and you tank damage while, you you know, the other people pick them off and stuff. But it gave me enough to survive um, each of the rounds. So the first round of combat against, against the big boss is pretty easy in terms of, like, beating it. He just kind of wanders around and tries to smack you and then does this like AOE attack. Uh, that you I, I can know spot. it's terrible, but the way you uh, say it, I'm just imagining him just, uh, you know, kind of just aimlessly wandering around and just goes every so often and tries and just smacks at you. That's honestly kind of what it is. Like he kind of aimlessly wanders around, spawns enemies that you can kill for ammo and health drops, um, which I didn't need because I can regenerate health when I kill people like that was one of the abilities that I was using. Um, I think I got like 50% of damage dealt back as health. So I didn't need that, but you know, whatever, but he would just kind of wander around and then he'd like sort of yell something at you, but it was kind of hard to understand what he was saying. And he would try and stomp on you. Don't worry. It it doesn't matter because yo, uh, this is like who's on is it anyway? Uh, The points don't matter. The story doesn't matter. True. Uh, Unless you're reading the codex. Which I did, but that's because I'm a nerd. Or you're trying to figure out, but it, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I, I mean, it's explained through the game, like even in the main story, it's actually explained if you kind of pay it or if you're paying attention and you're not just like skipping through everything. Or you're you uh, not utterly bored and you're just kind of zoning out. Yeah, which I wasn't actually. But I mean, I talked about it last week. I really like the game. I see a lot of potential for it, but what they're doing with it is just wrecking all of that. But anyways, it's a pretty aimless boss fight. And then he has this massive AoE that targets the entire sort of combat zone and is an instant kill. Oh, did Craig just leave? Craig, yeah, it said, I've been unexpectedly disconnected. No, Craig, come back. Let me send a reset. I don't know if I need to do that. I am noticing some rather bad uh, lag spikes to my connection to discord so part two yeah 
Uh, picking back up where I left off. So there's this massive AOE that targets the entire sort of combat area and is a one hit kill to anyone it touches. And I, and this is the very end of the sort of the first round of combat. It takes about five minutes to get there doing this solo. It might go faster if you had multiple people, but it would take me about five, six minutes every time. And at first I thought like, well, it targets the entire floor. So maybe I have to be flying. No, it kills you if you're flying. And I thought, well... There's, like, some high points up here, like some ledges. Maybe that's, like, a safe zone. So I'd fly up, and I'd try the different ledges and, like, this pillar sticking out of the ground. No, it kills you. It just kills you every time. Um, and so I actually looked it up online later. You have to, and it you kills, have to buy the season pass to uh, be able to survive. It kills three out of the four party members playing every time. So only one person survives randomly, and then they revive everyone else. Uh, but if you have less than four players, it just kills everyone every time. So the way I was able to beat it is I would save my ultimate attack until then, because the Colossus has the longest lasting ultimate if you don't actually use it. So you can, you've can you got like two seconds where he goes through the animation activating it. Then you've got ten seconds to um to use it and it like fires three gigantic cannon shells but if you don't use them it just sort of winds down a 10 second timer and then you've got two or three seconds while the animation unwinds where you're invincible so you got about 15 seconds of invincibility and that's how finally how i beat it i timed it just right so that i could survive the whole thing using my in- invincibility for my okay ultimate. i know you've liked this game but I gotta admit, that kind of sucks as a game design. Yeah, that really sucks. I mean, I'm not defending that. That was really frustrating. No, no, no. Uh, no, that's just outright dumb. Yeah. Especially since I, mean, they, it, I talked before about being able to play solo. Yeah, no, it, that's really bad game design. Uh, so then I go... Then it, it, there's just several more stages of this fight. Um, and each stage focuses on a different element. So there's the first stage is fire, and then there's poison, and then there's ice, and then there's lightning. And I don't remember exactly which order they go in, but you go through sort of several different rooms or combat arenas, and then you circle back around to the first one where the fire was for like the final battle, which is kind of a combination of all of them. But that sort of ultimate instant kill doesn't happen anymore. Like, he has no moves like that for the rest of the fight. So after that, it just becomes, you know, survive. So he doesn't uh, instantly kill anyone anymore? (laughs) No, that doesn't happen anymore. Either that or his instant kills are actually avoidable, and so I just dodge them every time. But for the rest of the fight, yeah, you just whittle him down to zero, and then he, like, blows up kind of unceremoniously... But wait, it triggers a stereotypical sci-fi, like, wormhole thing. And, like, your whole party has to hold hands and channel energy from the anthem of creation to to close the portal. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, now I'm imagining Goku Spirit Bomb. <laughs> kind of. I actually think more like the scene from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where they all hold hands to contain the power of the, of the um... Infinity Stones. Yeah, problem about that. I haven't watched that one. Okay. Well, anyone who has watched it, think of that. Um, and then you get 
uh, so after you beat that, you get quite a long amount of cutscenes, and then it leads you up to Cataclysm, where it shows you these creatures that are talked about quite a bit during the game, but you don't ever see them. But then you see them, and uh, they're like, you know, we think he was a scouting party. We're gonna have to have to deal with this. And then Cataclysm. Oh, uh, they you pulled go a Mass Effect. The... Yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, where... I do. Okay. Um. But. So then, I mean, that's how it ended. So if you beat this game at or close to launch, you had to wait for many months to see what the payoff for that was instead of getting it in I think it was supposed to be March or maybe April when this was first supposed to drop Mm -hmm. Um, and all it does is it turns so if you go to free roam instead of doing a specific mission it turns the world into poison like blue poison and so unless you're in safe zones you take constant damage while you're out roaming doing the exact same stuff you were doing before the cataclysm happened. It hasn't at this point added any new story missions or anything. Um question. So answer. Why? I don't know. I mean that So if you beat the game, you could no longer play said game. Well, I think that it you can get higher level loot i think but i wasn't really invested and i haven't paid attention to the patch notes for that or the update notes like i wasn't invested in that i did do a little bit of the end game content uh not the raids i also don't give a shit about that but after you beat the main game you unlock sort of loyalty missions for several of the main characters in the game that get you bonus rewards and then um, once you complete their quest line or their mission line you get dailies from them so I did several of those and they had some interesting, you know, some more interesting story threads to pull on, but, um, and, and that ignores the cataclysm world state. So you can do those <laughs> and so, it's like nothing's going on. Well, of course not, because, uh, that would require more programming to be able to <laughs> integrate the big world changing, uh, uh, event into, you know, uh, the actual game. Yeah. So mostly, so it's all instanced. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, Bioware, so, Bioware, Bioware. <laughs> so you know, just like final summation, I mostly liked Anthem. The ending was really shit because of how boring the boss fight was and that stupid one-hit kill mechanic. And I could live with that if this was a a fully fleshed out single player game where they dived more on the threads that they, you know, had in the codex and took some of the interesting content that did exist with the characters that you can go talk to and flesh that out more and gave you some damned AI companions to follow you around. Like, I can't hear you make a multiplayer game. I think I said this last time, like it's got a lot of potential if they actually, um, worked it as a single player experience so in other words they're going full todd howard yeah pretty much yeah don't pay attention to how it launched pay attention to how it's going to be two years from now yeah i mean i i think anthem's pretty much dead like it might have had a teeny tiny just a tiny sliver of hope if they had done something good with this expansion because then they could have pulled the, oh, but it's better now. But it's not. It's just blue. 
They, they did go Mass Effect. They chose the color ending. <laughs> Touche. They chose. They chose the blue raspberry ending. They did. Uh, that ending was Control in Mass Effect. This definitely doesn't feel in Control. It feels boring. Well, maybe they're desperately trying to get Control, so that's why they went with it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it but sounds like uh, you know they put in the base uh, level of the uh, expansion. And they just didn't have time to program, you know, any of the gameplay. So yeah. uh, they did, uh, just decided, you know, we'll just ramp up the difficulty on everything and be uh, at that. Does it work in looter shooters like that? No. No. I've got two weekends left with it. I think if I space that out right. So, I mean, if they do something big, I might hop back in. But, I mean, I have already canceled my monthly subscription. So it's like your subscription ends on whatever date so when that ends i won't i probably won't ever come back to it well that, uh, considering you've been singing its praise as well as much as i've heard anyone singing its praises online that's something yeah i mean i think i've i mean it's it's not a great game it's barely a good game how about this and there's so how about it's a game it is a game there's just so much potential and it makes me sad and frustrated. And also there's a million other games to play. Yeah, I mean, we just got our new Twitch drop, so. Indeed. But the other game that I played this week, which I haven't played it for super long, a um, couple hours getting into it, uh, is... Let me get back over here because I keep wanting to call it the last station. The final but station. It's actually called the final station. Yeah, I played a little bit of this, but this was one that I was originally going to do a Sunday sampler on back in the day. But uh, I got a little frustrated with it that it decided to monologue while I was doing tutorials. And it felt like I was just going to not have this story, which you know, kind of uh, is a big impact for this type of game. So, hmm. Yeah, so the final station is um, a not really post-apocalyptic and apocalyptic. About uh, current apocalyptic. Yeah, a current apocalyptic game um, about you who are a train uh, conductor, train engineer, train... I forget what your specific title is. They might just call you train driver. Um, A engineer bitch. (laughs) Who is given a, a special train and a task to do the day the world falls apart. And essentially your task is delivering, at least as far as I know, special cargo to a special place to f- finish something called the Guardian, which is supposed to stop the apocalypse, question mark. Like I said, I'm still very early in the story. And it does this thing, uh, this storytelling mechanic where that you get the story mostly by watching conversations that other people have or by diligently exploring and clicking like everything to read all of the notes that come up. Um, which sounds kind of harsh the way that I said it. it. I actually like the way that it tells the story because you're just like some guy. The story starts and like you wake up and it's your first day back from vacation like, everyone's saying, like, oh, how was your vacation? Did you do good? And you're just, like, an average train driver. Like, there's an email you can find at the beginning of the game that's, like, you know, are we sure we want him doing this? He's not that great. And then there's, like, this guy that's, like, no, I'll be there with him. It'll be fine. Um, And that guy dies. Dude, like, spoilers. Immediately. <laughs> so, 
Actually, I don't know if he's supposed to die or if they hadn't explained how to keep people alive on your train and I fucked up and he died. But the game does, at the very beginning, it's tr- kind of, it's giving you a ton of e- of exposition dump while also giving you tutorial stuff. Yeah, and that's... So it's the, hard to... Yeah, and that kind of turned me off pretty much immediately. So it's hard to keep up with the exposition and do the tutorials. The exposition dump happens on the train every time you're going from station to station. Um, but you can, uh, without there being the tutorial stuff, you really only have to check on the things in the train to manage it uh, a little bit. And then you can pay attention to what's going on around you. So, but anyways, yes, you are driving this train, this train from station to station. And there are these little mini games where that you have to keep the train basically in good repair and different things fall apart, which can cause your passengers to die or, you know, become ill, uh, can cause the special cargo you're carrying to break can cause the engine to break down and shut down on the on the track um, if you let them all get out of hand. They're pretty easy. It's mostly just like click a thing to put it back in sort of the green zone um, or hold down a button for long enough to clear something or, or something like that. It's like there's like a ventilation system and you have to manage the power. Um, if that gets messed up. But again, it's all just like put stuff back in the green zone, basically, at least so far. So it's been pretty simple. Um, and then you have food and medicine stores on your train and you have passengers that come with you. Um, some of them are survivors that you rescue or well, actually most of them would be survivors. You rescue, you get a few passengers at the beginning of the game that are not survivors that are sort of part of the tutorial where they're telling you stuff. Um, but otherwise, as far as I know, at least so far, everyone I've picked up have been survivors I've found while I'm exploring. Uh, and if they get hungry, you bring them food. And if they get sick, you bring them medicine. And if they die, you have to dispose of their body. I don't know if they can become zombies on the train, but that's what the apocalypse is. There's something that they keep vaguely referencing as... What do they call it? The emergence or the visitors, something like that. Like it implies some kind of alien or something coming down, but I'm still fairly early in the story. So I don't know what it is that has caused the sort of zombie apocalypse, but apparently well, at least this we is the second time what flavor it is. Yeah. But this is the second time that it's happened. It's, this is set a hundred and I think it's six or 109 years after the first one, which nearly destroyed the world. Um, and this country that you're in, it was sort of the last surviving country that held off from the zombies and was able to sort of beat them back and reinforce their borders and rail has, or train transport is really the only method of transportation across long distances because air travel, they say is too expensive because of resource scarcity and then roads and things were destroyed, uh, and they were never rebuilt. So only sort of local cities have roads for cars and buses so in other words where you're going you don't have roads yeah where you're going you don't have roads um but so you drive the train from town to town uh getting exposition looking at the beautiful actually the very beautiful scenery 
Uh, and there's a lot to be gleaned from the scenery, and I like how they do transitions. It's a pretty common, like, filming technique where that the camera, something will come across the camera, and you'll transition from, from for example, from night to day or from scene to scene. Um, you know, things in the background would be different. But I like the way that they do that, and they do that for dramatic effect on certain conversations or with certain events. Like, very, very early on, you get two soldiers with you, and it does a screen wipe. And then suddenly they're just like spurts of blood on the floor and you don't know what happened to them. Like, did you kill them? Was there, is there something on the train with you? Um, you know, whatever. And at least at this point that hasn't been explained, um, to me, but that's sort of one part of the game, managing the train and managing the survivors or the passengers that you have, keeping them alive. Then when you get to stations, there's this system that's been put in place and it's kind of explained in the exposition dump. Like, ah, oh, there was an accident. So now we have these special station locks and you have to get codes from the station master to keep going. So every time you get to a station at a city, uh, you have to go get a code. And the first few times this happens, it's before the zombie ape outbreak is and you go to the office and it's like, you know, go find the dude that has the code. You go find him, you get it. You come back, you put it in. It's like a little keypad. You can click it with your mouse or you can type it on your uh, keyboard and then hit enter. To And then that, that automatically starts the transition to the next station. But once the outbreak happens, then these places are filled with uh, zombies. And you have to fight your way through, find the code, and escape that way. And this game has got horror elements. Um, I don't know how sort of jump scary or whatever it becomes i really hope it doesn't because i don't like being scared but so far it's been very atmospheric and kind of psychological um you know my imagination has scared me more times than anything coming after me at this point and it does the whole sort of resource scarcity thing so right now i've only got a pistol and then my mighty fist of punching which you can charge up to do a, a big punch or you can just do regular punches and obviously big punches are more powerful than regular punches. And then you can pick up objects and throw them. And different objects do different things. Like, obviously, if you throw a red barrel at a group of enemies, it explodes and kills them because video game logic. But you can throw crates and oh, chairs and... Ding! You can throw crates and chairs and other stuff at zombies too as sort of improvised weapons. And they do... At least with the level of zombies I've been fighting so far, they will kill them in one hit. And then with your gun, so far it's been one headshot is a kill, and then two to three body shots to kill. And then punching, it takes a lot of punches to kill zombies, but you can serve ammo doing that. And ammo is, has so far been very scarce. Um, you find some in levels, and you can craft. There's some small amount of crafting uh, for, it says, basic supplies. So I don't know if there's anything more advanced you get later, but you can make med kits and bullets. Those are the only two things I can make right now. Um, but so you go through these different areas, you fight the zombies um, and find the code, find any survivors or useful items that you can or that you dare risk trying to get. And then you go back to the train and you move on to the next station. You get... Um, I think that this happens at the end of a chapter when you get to like your big destination because this happened at the end of chapter one when I got to the final or the, the first destination. The, I well, got don't you rewarded. mean the final destination of that chapter or the final the station? The final destination of that, yeah, 
the final station of that chapter. I was given a reward for all the people that I had brought on the train with me. So there was the dude that I don't think was supposed to die. I think it was supposed to be part of the tutorial to figure out how to give him food and medicine, but I didn't, and he killed over in my train. So I lost the reward for that and don't know if he had any additional information to give me. And then there were two passengers I had picked up along the way that I was given rewards for for them. And then uh, they were just money that I got for them. And then the current passengers that I have, like you can see what the reward it's going to give you if you uh, keep them safe. And one of them gives me bullets and money. And the other one gives me medicine and money. And then there's uh, vendors that you can find selling things. And as far as I know... Uh, you can, the only way to get food is to buy it. You might be able to find it, but I actually, there's a grocery store that was at one of the towns that I stopped at and it didn't have any food in it. So I don't know if, if you can craft it or find it, but I definitely have found people to buy food from. And every time I see someone selling food, I buy it like as much as I can. Cause I've been doing a pretty good job of conserving ammo. The zombies so far have been pretty predictable in like their different types. There's like the standard zombie and a couple of sort of variations on the standard zombie, like a fast zombie and then the standard slow zombie and then a zombie that's like a little bit bigger. So they take more damage to kill, but they're really dumb and you have a good window to punch them to death. Um, they're slow to attack and they, they, um, so you have a good window to punch them to death so you don't have to waste bullets. And then there's these little fast, like, jumpy zombies. I think it's implied that they're supposed to be children, but the zombies are just black silhouettes on the screen. Um, so there's no distinguishing features or anything, but I feel like it's implied that they're children. And they jump at you, or they'll lunge at you, and it's harder to punch them to death, so usually I shoot them. And then I've ran into a zombie that is like a soldier or a SWAT person who has like a helmet. So you can punch them to knock the helmet off for a headshot, or you can just shoot them like in the legs and kill them. And then there's a zombie that has kind of two stages. Like you shoot him and he goes down and then he crawls across the ground and you have to shoot him again to kill him. I'm sure there's more special infected or special zombie types I'll run into later, but that's kind of what I've seen so far. And you know, that kind of makes sense with these types of games, but um, zombies also so far have been unable to climb ladders. So if you find a ladder, that's like your safe spot. And then you can figure out how to proceed. Until you come up to the point where they suddenly learn. Yeah. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. But you'll hear the dramatic it's... note and then you'll see a zombie slowly shuffling up. Maybe you can push stuff down on them. I, you can push stuff off of ledges. So things that you can't pick up and throw as weapons... If you can move it around just by, like, running into it, you can push something off a ledge, and that instantly kills any zombie I've hit with anything so far. And then anything that explodes seems to have killed multiple zombies. And standard throwing objects, if you time it just right, you can hit multiple zombies with the same one, and it kills all the standard zombies with one throw. Or with one thrown object, so that's pretty nice. A lot of desk chairs in these office buildings get used as improvised weapons. Your character's pretty damn strong to uh, throw a desk chair that far. He's a, he's a fucking boss. Because I can throw a desk chair that far, and I work out. 
But I really enjoy the game. I like the setting. Uh, I love the beautiful backdrops um, and the type of storytelling they do. You know, sort of with the screen wipes, seeing things as they go past. And you can get a good look at some of the art and the screenshots. I don't feel like there's anything given away. You just get an idea of some of the different backdrops that they have. Um, or by watching one of the trailers on Steam. But I, I like what they do, at least during the opening scene. I'm sure this is going to happen more. But there's some stuff that happens in the background that, like, if you know what certain types of weapons are you can like because the people in the train are talking about like what's that is that an explosion what's over there and it's like you see it and you're like oh they immediately have used like nuclear weapons and there's other stuff that comes up too so there's some neat storytelling that comes on about like the desperation about what's going on um and there's neat little differences too that i've spotted i don't know what they mean but some characters so zombies have white eyes and normal humans have red eyes. But I've seen some normal humans with white eyes. So I don't know if that means they're infected or if they're going to turn out to be something else entirely. Like maybe aliens or something if this is like an alien thing. Or maybe they're immune to the disease if it's a disease thing. I don't know. But I've spotted that difference already. So I don't know if there's other things that are in there like that. But... I just, I, I like that type of visual storytelling and these little clues that you can find. But, anyways, that is uh, where I'm at in Final Station so far. Uh, yeah, as still, long as it doesn't get too scary. Yeah, still heading towards your Final Station. Indeed. As long as it doesn't get too scary for me, I expect I'll finish it uh, in the next few weeks and be able to talk about it. It doesn't seem like it's a very long game. I saw that it has five chapters, and I've already finished chapter or I'm, I'm partway through chapter one. Um, and like judging by the map, if like, cause you can look at the, the route map and see where you are uh, in relation to the final station in the journey. I'm like literally at the halfway station. So unless there's something that happens that slows me down, maybe more story exposition or the areas start getting larger to explore. Like I'll be through with chapter two pretty quickly. So, it's good, though. I like it. I like it a lot. Couldn't imagine playing this on console. <laughs> a lot of uh, twitchy stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of twitchy stuff. Who knows? Maybe it works really well. But I'm not going to try. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that was those were the two games that I played this week. So, that does it for games played. Unless you have any final thoughts uh, or not comments. Not really. Or... I mean... I was thinking maybe this would be a decent game club game, but if you're going to finish it, then, you know, maybe not. It's, uh, yeah, we're, oh, I, we should take a look at the Twitch drops and figure out, you know, any that needs to be added to, to the list as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because I play a game yeah, doesn't true. mean I couldn't come back and play it. You know, maybe going through it a second time with some knowledge about some, some of the stuff I've in that happens in the game could give me a different perspective for a different you know, point of view when discussing it. Mm -hmm. Also, I could have forgotten a lot. And it's got a DLC. Um, I don't know if I have, if the DLC was part of the Humble Bundle or not, but it has uh, one. It's not, I don't think. Okay. I think it's an, another five-chapter experience, so. Don't know. Looks like this guy's got a car. That's interesting. 
that he's got a car, but they specifically say like road travel's not a thing. Yeah, it's the final maybe garage. They... <laughs> maybe that story takes place in a much smaller area. I don't know. I'm not gonna worry about it. For or now. he put all three tires. Bat. He might have done that. He's got a what is I assume supposed to be a classic Mustang. Yeah, which uh, have you ever watched Smoking the Bandit? A uh, uh, Mustang could do anything. That's true. It can. It absolutely can. Although I thought they had a Firebird in Smoking the Bandit. Uh, maybe I was misremembering then. Uh, maybe it was a Firebird. I'm not a car guy. What can I say? Uh, oh, oops. No wonder I typed card instead of car. No, it's a Trans Am. Trans Am. So we were both wrong. Pontiac Trans Am. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, I'm, I'm trying to think of the movie. It's got James Dean in it. And he does drive a Mustang, and it like he does jumps in it, and like you can't do that in a Mustang. I'm trying to blank on it though. Um, maybe it's Steam McQueen that is in it. Uh, Bullet. I do think it's Bullet. Yeah. Uh, that sounds right. And let's see, Gong in sixty seconds also had a Mustang in it. Yeah, Bullet's the movie I'm thinking of. There's a car chase through San Fran- uh, San Francisco, and there's a Mustang that's like jumping down, you know, the, those classic or like those iconic like hills with the houses that are built like really sloped, you know, like this, those steep hill hills. And there's a, the in the car chase, the Mustang is like jumping off of those. It's like you can't you can't do that. With yeah, actually, Mustang. huh. I found a blog that has the 25 best uh, movie Mustangs. Huh. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the reboot of Knight Rider actually was a Mustang. Let's see. Uh, Bullet is number one, of course. Uh, the 2000 Gone in 60 Seconds. The Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, Bull Durham. Le Grande de Saint Topez, uh, Goldfinger. Let's see, there's Knight Rider, War of the Worlds, uh, the new one, or the newer one, I guess I should say. Uh, this this tells you how much they're reaching. Back to the Future Two. In the background, there's a futuristic Mustang. <laughs> that does like look. I mean, that is a an eighty. 80- 485 Mustang that they have made to look like a future car. Yeah, which, yeah, Back to the Future 2 was making fun of all the people that were making, uh, you know, futuristic movies that's like 10 years in the future. Yeah. A, a lot of James uh, uh, Bond on this uh, list, actually. Yeah, I've seen most of these movies. Oh, you found the list? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I've seen, I've seen nearly all of these movies. I forgot about the Mustang and Death Race, though. That was a fun but stupid movie. What if car combat was real? And stupid? It's real stupid, but like in the best kind of way. It's not a bad movie. Like, it's a competent movie from like a a filmmaking and a cinematography standpoint. And then they just took the car combat concept and went, yeah, fuck it, let's do this for real. And it was 
It was a lot of fun. Might have to watch that sometime. Anyways. Yeah, and, um, uh, and here's another list that gives uh, the uh, 1969 uh, Shelby GT and uh, Gone 60 Seconds uh, to, to the top sh- spot with Bullet being number two. But then they go with like Basic Instinct and uh, a lot of James uh, Bond again. So, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Mustang portion of the podcast. Indeed, I don't even like Mustangs all that much. Uh, I mean, well, there's nothing wrong uh, with them, but well, they have a lot of horsepower. They do indeed. I was going for the pun. I know. I'm making like you can't see my face. I'm making like a like a, a really face. <laughs> technically, it's well, no, there's the Colt and other. Okay, I was gonna say technically they're the only car with real horsepower, but that's not true. There's other car named or horse named cars. But let's go talk a little bit about. Well, let's talk about E3. the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this year's E three is is this coming week, and next week's show will be the E three show. Yeah. But E three this year is a mess that's missing a lot of its pieces. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I went thrifting and I got a jigsaw puzzle, and like half of it's gone. <laughs> Because we yeah. know Sony is gone, EA is gone, uh, Ubisoft is still around, but last year they had a very toned down show. Uh, it seemed like Devolver was the only one that uh, yeah went ape shit. <laughs> yeah, Devolver did what Devolver does, but this year is like I think their presentation is supposed to be a direct sequel to last year. Yeah. If I remember how it ended, uh, correctly. yeah, it basically was a uh, Robocop. Yeah. Uh, so that would be interesting, and the fact that they yeah, I'm looking uh, the, the fact that they are past the watershed, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're late yeah. night. Yeah, I am uh, looking forward to that. One of the only things I think about the show, I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, well, the PC gaming show, uh, which is powered by uh, PC Gamer, is now uh, uh, sponsored by Epic. So, hey, another thing Epic bought. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really not looking forward to that because, yeah, the fact that they bought a sponsorship spot doesn't bode well for the announcements on there. I, I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not looking forward to that portion of it. I do like the PC gaming show. Like I've liked it the last, yeah, last but, few years. Yeah, but it's also a giant conflict of interest, isn't it? Yeah, but isn't just E3 in general a giant conflict of interest? Uh, true, especially whenever you know they're playing to the crowd that is all full of journalists. Uh, journalist. Yeah, but hey, that's the PC gaming industry for you, right? Yeah. At this stage, pretty much. Um, is there anything that you're hoping will come out of the show this year? Either specific game or uh, well, just I maybe think, a tone? I think or... once again, uh, more just because of the mess it is. I, I want to see Final Fantasy VII. Uh, because last year was completely absent and they're starting to show it again. And it's completely different from last time. But that's more just train wreck. Uh my big one is more just you know the little indies that aren't going to be on the on the uh, main uh, announcements that aren't going to be on the stage that are 
at best going to be like a half second uh, blip on their montages. That's what I'm more interested in than the AAA stuff these days because uh, the AAA gaming industry is a mess. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more stuff about Halo because yeah, that's I like Halo. Yeah, that's supposed to have some sort of announcement from Microsoft. Microsoft's the only one of the big three that's uh, doing a uh, well a full on press conference this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, something that we're going to talk about, I think it's our first like official news topic, uh, which is Microsoft is bringing a bunch of stuff to PC and I've seen some stuff saying that they're going to talk about that a lot more in depth at E3. Mm -hmm. So it'll be weird. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. It'll be weird. Uh, if my expectations hold that Microsoft has the most interesting press conference for me because last year, uh, well, if. EA didn't exist, then they would have had the worst press conference because it was all Xbox exclusive or Xbox time exclusive. And, you know, uh, that's that's one way to kill my enthusiasm for something. Yeah. Um, But all of those things that were Xbox exclusive or time exclusive are going to be coming to PC. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, but or maybe not all of them, but a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, but it's also OK. So how long? Uh, you know, I, I'll just. Yeah, why get excited right now for something that may or may not even come out or, you know, uh, may not sell well enough that they won't even bother with the uh, release on PC or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but, you know, I'm hoping that it'll be something good. Trying to trying to find some positives here. See, uh, you're the glasses half full. I'm the glass that uh, uh, is. uh, Why do you sell me a a too big a glass? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and um, then they try to sell me a, you know, a secondary glass that's empty and saying, hey, uh, we have a roadmap to fill this down the road. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a difference, though, in that with games versus, like, because I haven't, I mean, maybe they have said it, but I haven't heard them mention, like, a roadmap for bringing console stuff to PC or bringing console games to PC. And I like a lot of the Microsoft exclusive titles. It's not just Halo. I like a lot of their stuff. So. Uh, honestly, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to it just because uh, they haven't brought a lot to Steam until very lately. And it's all been on the Windows Store, which I loathed. So, yeah, yeah I just didn't really pay attention to it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I mean, I'm not looking forward to Bethesda's press conference at all. Just this year, like, I was on the fence with them, and this year, their game performance, or their, just their games, uh, with Blades and Fallout 76. Oh, <laughs> uh, you've joined the dark side? I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, fuck it. You know, fuck them. Uh, no, I'll watch it, you know, uh, just to uh, see. I just had an idea. The lie counter. How many times do we think he's lying? <laughs> a lot. Um, the Snarkathon, I think, is going to be good this year because Jenna's got Jim Sterling oh, no. as her. I-, I didn't know about number that. Number two. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She announced it early, last week, I think. Late last I'm week. I'm so far behind on my podcasts. Well, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if they talked about it uh, on the co optional. I must have missed it on uh, uh, Twitter, but then again. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the Twitter app is absolutely useless. I'll, I'll find out uh, that she announced it in about three or four days that, yeah, she just recently, uh, she just posted again. <laughs> yeah. Because the Twitter app telling me things. Look who just tweeted 14 hours ago or more. But anyways, um, yeah, I can't think, I really can't think of anything else that, because I don't know what Square Square Enix is going to do. Yeah, I mean, last year they, they focused they only... heavily on uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, which, honestly, I couldn't give one shit about because I haven't played the you know, 40 or 50 games I'm behind. <laughs> uh, and that's I love your... how we make that joke. It grows every time. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like the Mueller investigation's budget, right? Right. <laughs> Just keeps growing. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, but uh, but uh, but joking aside, it is something like what ten, fifteen games in, in the overall series. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, way more than just three. I, I mean, that's that's not an exaggeration, and that's to understand all the story. If you want the main story, it's still something like seven or eight, and that's yeah, relying on synopsis from uh, some stories that. Yeah, you know, it's a condensed uh, story, so you know, well, synopsis. That's you know, kind of the word right there. So you're not getting all the nuance of you know whatever the hell is in uh, Kingdom Hearts. To be honest, I don't even know what Kingdom Hearts is about anymore. Me neither. Uh, um, outside of writing out uh, every single one of the Final Fantasy characters, of course. Of course, because that is one criticism I kept hearing about. I heard about that about as much as I heard about a Starbucks mug or Starbucks cup a few weeks ago when uh, Kingdom Hearts came out. <laughs> yeah, that happened twice. Or no, it was a Starbucks cup and a water bottle in a different episode. But anyways, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, we already mentioned this, but Sony's out, EA's out, Ubisoft is toned down, Bethesda can suck my entire <laughs> dick. Just all of it down to the balls. Yeah, but uh, at this point, yeah, but aren't you worried about catching whatever they have? Nah, I'll just put some cream on it. And then I don't know what Square Enix is going to do. Microsoft, it's basically their conference to lose. Uh, I would say Devolver to lose at this point. And then I'm looking forward to Devolver just because of their wacky stage show. Yeah, it's kind of funny how then, two years ago we absolutely hated Devolver, but now they've turned into this darling. Maybe it's just the yeah. fact that, you know, the first time we had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And then Nintendo's in this weird position because, I mean, it doesn't technically do a conference. Yeah. E3's just another direct for it. Yeah. Sort of, like a big direct. <laughs> but, I mean... You know, we're PC gamers. Nothing of Nintendo's is on out. You know, is on PC ever. And I, you know, I've got a Wii U that has gotten played more in the last six months than it has been in like the five years I've had it. So, but I don't have a Switch. I don't have a 3DS or any of their other new stuff. So, it's not really applicable in a personal sense. Yeah, and Sony is busy copying Nintendo's homework, not releasing their. Uh- uh, software on PC anymore and actually actively blocking it uh, and, uh, you know, doing a just a uh, all-day stream instead of doing a press conference. To be fair, that might be a step up from last year because 
Last year's sucked. But yeah, for those who don't not- remember, uh, they did a, uh, a live musical number uh, covering uh, uh, Last of Us 2, if I recall correctly. Uh, a, 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 a cinematic for that. Then, yep, in a church. Yeah. Then, or, or a mock-up of a church. Because, yeah. you know, uh, Sony doesn't have a soul, so if they go into a church, they just burst into flames. Uh, so, uh, then, they had everybody leave the venue and took a, what was it, like a 10 or 15 minute break as they moved venues. Then they had uh, Steve from uh, Digital Extremes, or a guy that looked like him, play another musical number that had absolutely no reference to anything, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yep. He was just playing his uh, flute, which I they they showed one of their samurai themed games. Wasn't that but the, it didn't really? Wasn't that a battle royale? Uh, there was a battle royale, and then there was one that was a single player. They had multiple samurai games last year, but it didn't really seem to line up with it. It was just played for like. F- Three to five yeah, minutes, and, this, and then and this they was showed after, the game trailer. And this was after a ten or fifteen minute break. So yeah. you know, you had twenty minutes of dead air, and what was it like an hour and a half conference? Yeah, it was real boring. I mean, it, it was at that point that I was thinking, you know, maybe EA talking about sports games isn't that bad. There is worse. Yeah. And it was hilarious watching uh, the commentators on there trying to uh, fill space to just kill Tom because, you know, they... Uh. Yeah, trying to buy time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, other than those couple of little things, I'm not really looking too super forward to E3 this year. I mean, we'll see. I'm ho- I hope to be surprised, but I, you know... I don't really expect to be anymore. So yeah, it's making me wonder if E3 is even relevant anymore, or is, uh, yeah, because yeah, you know, it's becoming a more online presence. Yeah, I mean E3's dipped before and then came back, maybe even a couple of times, depending on how you sort of count things. Basically, you know where where you fall in on what makes it successful or not, a big deal or not. Um, yeah, but, uh, but the online presence is growing more and more for the individual companies now where they don't really need the uh, everyone to gather together. They just release a tweet. Yeah. Which, yeah, makes me wonder next year, should we even bother covering it? Because, or covering it in the format that we do, where we do a press, uh, or press event by press event thing, because we're coming down to, well, we just uh, said we have Microsoft, Devolver, Bethesda's, uh, Beth- well, Bethesda sucks show. Uh, dep- uh, and depending on how you take that, it's e- either just them sucking or sucking on Jared. Um, is that it? I think so. Am I missing anyone? Or, or uh, Square, uh, Square Enix. Oh, uh, yeah. But to be fair, they weren't much of a presence last year, and they were pretty much all trailers last year. Mm-hmm. They had a thing with Tomb Raider, too, last yeah. year. I forgot about that, because Tomb Raider kind of came and went. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, let me just double-check this. I, I love 
I'll type in E3 press conferences, and there's a still from uh, Devolver Digital uh, right there. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, with, uh, yeah, towards the end of the last year's conference where she's just covered in blood. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is it. This is Microsoft Bethesda Devolver Digital day one or, or the 9th of June. This is bef- uh, and it's also the weird thing where it's the pre-show and then Ubisoft and Square Enix. And that's it because it's, then it's Nintendo. I mean, uh, the only other thing is. Let's see, additional E3 uh, uh, streaming schedule. Limited Run Games is holding an E3 conference and said it's probably the only place to see a PlayStation Vita at E3. <laughs> kind of Funny Games did a thing last year that was like five minutes where they basically were trying to do what Devolver Digital did. Oh, the PC Gaming Show, we're forgetting that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm. I was looking forward to it until until they announced the sponsorship. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I hope it's still fine, but again, no expectations. So. Oh, I, I have expectations. They're not good expectations, but I have expectations. Yeah. Uh, I had a feeling we were missing something, and you know we were. That's why I went for the schedule. But yeah, then it's just uh, you know show floor stuff. Uh, until Thursday, which we don't cover, but well, don't cover directly, I should say. So yeah, that's the big E of threes. Kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, and th- like I said, that's why I'm really wondering if next year we're even going to do the uh, E three extravaganza. Uh, we may have to downgrade that. <laughs> yeah, the E three corner. I mean, and we'll see how it goes this year, too. I mean, if it turned out to be extremely lackluster, I don't want to waste a bunch of time going through each individual conference. Oh, become the Devolver you know, Digital Podcast for uh, episode? <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, I mean, we're not going to be able, just because of ske- my schedule and stuff, we're not going to be able to do them live like we did. Was that last year or was that two years ago where we watched a bunch of them live yeah. and did some recordings uh, yeah we watched a couple of them live i think we watched one last year and a couple that uh year before yeah but we won't get to do that this year um the only one that we could watch live is i think the devolver one on sunday night but we said we were going to watch my hero academia mm-hmm. so um i mean if you really want to watch uh uh what one was sunday I think it's the Devolver one. I think that one's Sunday night at 10 Eastern time. I think. Although if it's 10 Pacific, I will have become a pumpkin by then because that'll be 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, well, let's go back here and check. Uh, let's see. Sunday, these are... Well, uh, it's 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern for Devolver. Okay. That's one thing uh, nice about IGN is they have all the time zones. Yeah, um, Microsoft is uh, uh, mid-afternoon, Bethesda's evening, so you know you could uh, have a nice nap be- uh, before you wake up for Devolver. So yeah, I mean we could do Devolver, but we don't have to, and there's nothing else that we'll get a chance to watch live. So mm-hmm. I'll be watching it all post. Um, and I'm going to bring this up later, but just while we're here, 
next week there will not be community game night because I'll be spending Monday night playing catch up on E3 content or E3 stuff. Yeah, watching the. Well, they're not uh, uh, the most fabulous or flamboyant uh, or fantastic. Uh, let's see, what would be another one for Ubisoft? Uh, there, present. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could turn it around this year and be flamboyant again, but. I don't. I mean, last year uh, like they that. only had the furries in the alley, didn't they? Yeah. I miss Aisha Taylor. I love her. Maybe they should send her over to Devolver. <laughs> she would fit in. Uh, she'd be the most sane one on there. Oh, I could only imagine what they're going to be doing. Indeed. Especially after this um, uh, really weird year, which kind of ties in. Well, uh, into a later topic, but, uh, well, should we talk about Microsoft? Yeah, let's do that. Because we've waxed lyrical about E3 that we don't know what to do about uh, for far too long. So, Microsoft bringing Xbox games to PC. Hey, they're actually falling through on their promise to, you know, uphold, uh, yeah, some of their, yeah, titles on PC because they've promised us for the last, uh, Hang on, let me check the date. Uh, carry the one. Um, I would say 20 years. <laughs> How long has the Xbox been out? <laughs> 2002? Uh, close enough. Was in the original release? I mean, pretty much ever since the Xbox came out, Microsoft has re- uh, repeatedly promised over and over again that they'll you know, support Windows gaming more, that they'll support PC gamings more, uh, gamers more. And they failed to do so time and time again. I mean, it's become a running joke whenever they talked about it. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, uh, it looks like they're doing it again, and looks like they may be following through. This will be something we'll know more about, well, next week when they cover it at E3, most likely. But they're bringing the Xbox Game Pass to PC, and they're launching more of their games on Steam. And actually, uh, threw some heat at Epic uh, with the line, we believe you should have choice in where you buy your PC games. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shots so, fired. So with um, the Game Pass, well, they haven't spelled everything out as completely as I suspect they will at E3. They have seemed to indicate that um, it's going to be pretty much identical to how it is on Xbox. They'll have their category of 100 or so, or not the category, their catalog of 100 or so games that they keep sort of rotating through that you'll have access to for as long as you play the subscription fee. Uh, essentially, and the then, Netflix of games that people kept talking about, uh, it, uh, yeah, uh, expecting something to, like this to come out on PC gaming for ages. Yeah. And then all of their first pirate. There's a little bit of a question about this, like, but they seem to indicate that all of their first party titles will be available on Game Pass, just like they are uh, on on console. But I saw something. Somebody asked a question like, "Well, but there's some overlap and some games that are already available through the Xbox Play Anywhere program. Are those in like a weird state?" I don't quite understand where the confusion came from, but I've seen a couple of people ask questions about that. So I don't know if there's something weird going on with maybe a couple of those titles specifically that I'm not aware of, just because I am not as much in the Xbox ecosystem. 
but that might be something they clarify to E3 as well. Or it's a overlap where those games are in both, where if you're in one, you get it. If you're in the other, you still get it. So yeah. there's, you know, that overlap of getting both is kind of uh, pointless. Yeah, could be that too. Yeah, and something interesting is uh, they're talking about cross-platform play. Enabling gamers to play together through cross-platform play and cross-network play across Windows 10 PCs and consoles is is vitally important. Building communities across all those players, regardless of the store or platform they've chosen, console or PC, is also vitally important because it helps bring players together. Allows gamers to find their large, uh, their largest audience. Oh, sorry. Allows games to find their largest audience. Allows gaming to develop to deliver its true potential of uniting people around the power of play. Uh, a little bit of buzzwordy at the end, sure, but yeah, it looks like they're going to be focusing a lot on cross-platform play, which is interesting, especially considering a fair number of Microsoft first-party titles are shooters. Not all of yeah. them, but a, yeah, a fair chunk. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I mean, we've talked about the issues with cross-platform, particularly between PC and console, many times. But, I mean, the fact that it's a feature, it, at least as long as they give you, like, a toggle to turn it on or off, um, you know, I, I like that they're at least doing it as, like, an option for people. Um, especially, for example, like, maybe in my house... Um, we have one Xbox, but many PCs. So if, you know, we wanted to play games together because like through gold, you can share your gold subscription. And I know that the game pass is shareable as well. I don't know if you have to have gold or not to share game pass, but, um, you know, if that was how it worked, if you could share game pass, then we in my house could each play, uh, you know, on separate things together and in that environment, cross-platform would be extremely beneficial. Even if it was, it was just something that Katie and I were playing together, um, she almost, like, she way prefers a controller to keyboard and mouse just because, you know, she's she's not a PC gamer. What, what little gaming she does do, she does on console. So that would be beneficial to us for playing something cooperatively. And I do know that certain shooters like Gears 5, their cross-platform only applies to the horde mode, so it's cooperative. So it's not as much of an issue there. And it actually might apply to the campaign as well, where you can cooperate. But, I mean, it's still, it's it's good to see. And, I mean, they do have racing games like Forza, uh, several. Yeah, which were, Horizon that and, makes, uh, yeah, less of a difference. Yeah. The only difference would be, uh, you know, if the person is using a wheel, but that's also a console problem. Yeah. But uh, for what games are coming to Steam, uh, I think... At least what I saw initially, this I had I didn't read through the whole uh, PC Gamer article just because I grabbed one to have a link. Um, I think it was mostly focused on some of their first party titles, but I don't know if it's all of them coming to Steam or just a select few or if it's sort of a rollout program. I mean, uh, it was uh, well, we had the bomb quite a while ago that the Master Chief Collection was coming to Steam, which was uh, yeah, yeah, pretty major. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and another big thing to come out of this is that they're going to stop using or stop forcing developers to use that universal Windows application. Is that what UWA stands yeah. for? Uh, so, uh, something um, like that, which uh, had uh, some sort of inherent uh, encryption into it. 
that uh, made modding, uh, if not uh, just outright impossible, far more difficult, which turned off a lot of developers from the Windows Game Store to begin with because the Windows Game Store initially required the use of it. Yeah. But so, uh, in order for him to open up to Steam, well, gonna have that. Yeah, gotta have just a regular old executable. And then they've dropped the requirement, or they are dropping the requirement for their for the Windows Store. Yeah, so. uh, which, uh, yeah, is uh, making it a lot more attractive, but hey, it, uh, it's uh, immediately not the worst uh, PC gaming store anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm not... I'm not sure how many games I will buy and if it, it will be worth it to me to get Game Pass because, as I mean, I suppose they could reveal that Game Pass would work through other services, but I couldn't imagine that it would work through anything except the Microsoft Store yeah, and Windows 10. Yeah, it, would, and it would be mind-boggling if they made the uh, Game Pass essentially a launcher and put it everywhere. Yeah. But then again, yeah, that also would open it up a lot more because the Windows Store does have this stigma about it, rightfully so. Actually, that's how Game Pass works on the Xbox. It's its own separate thing that launches, um, and it it looks similar to the the Xbox like storefront where you can buy you know digital games and stuff. But it's its own separate application that launches. So, in theory, so. Uh, assuming that they keep the model, they could put it everywhere. Yeah, they could. That would be cool. I mean, it's just they—they they have nothing to lose with this business model, and everything or, to gain. or with this move, and everything to gain. Yeah, and I think partnering with uh, Valve to put more of their games on Steam is a good move for Microsoft and a, a good uh, boon for for Steam, who has still basically done nothing in the face of Epic's. Skullduggery. Well, I think they realize that Epic can't keep this up forever. That yes, they have the Fortnite money, but the Fortnite money isn't infinite. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for sort of hunkering down and waiting out your opponent. And also, um, I think they may have also realized that uh, Epic has kind of been hanging themselves. Uh, see the Epic fail sale. Yeah, that's true. So if Epic was, you know doing the shenanigans and uh yeah not being absolute idiots it would be a lot more troubling but the fact that they have a roadmap for very basic features like a shopping cart or uh even uh is a friends list included in the store or any uh social uh, contacts i uh, know they in the microsoft store uh, no 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 the epic store I know that they've outright oh. said that they're not doing reviews at all, which is just mind-bogglingly dumb. Uh, the last time I checked, there wasn't a friends anything. No social stuff. At oh no, wait, all. no, 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 no. There is, there is a friends list actually. There is. Sorry, there's a friends list. Um, because I, I remembered I had to add Cube when we oh, yeah, pro- were playing Satisfactory. Oh yeah, probably uh, hangover from uh, uh, Fortnite, right? Yeah, it's super basic. I mean, it's got nothing on Steam's friend. Uh, considering uh, Steam is uh, and chat and stuff. Considering Steam is in the process of redoing everything as well. Yeah, which I, I mean, uh, I'm actually a little shocked know, that a- uh, uh, Steam doesn't have some sort of presence because they talked about redoing their store pretty re- uh, uh, pretty recently. 
and they're talking about it rolling out before too long. Uh, of course, this is Valve Town, but uh, they've redone their chat. Uh, they've uh, launched a separate chat app. They went full Facebook, and they're splitting their presence into three apps, which I know is very sca- scary for Gabe, but thankfully he doesn't have to be too involved in it. <laughs> And they're uh, making it so that the store app is more focused on just the store and account security and kind of branching away the chat functionality to you know, kind of lock down the store app, which is frustrating, yes, to have another icon. But uh, do you really have that few icons on your phone? Do you not have phones? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, did you, you dropped out for a second. I, didn't uh, I went, you. uh, do you not have phones? Oh. No, come on, we're talking E3. Saw, of course we have to do that. Yeah, I saw, uh, I think it was on Reddit, and it was a, a, a whole bunch of, like, just office phones sitting on a table, and someone had taken a, a thing and put that they were preparing for, <laughs> um, for Diablo's r- release. I mean, it was like 20 phones sitting on a table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, I, I, I like that Microsoft is doing this. I think this is a positive move. Regard, I mean, there's definitely business reasons to do it. You know, I know they're not doing it, you know, out of the goodness of their heart. But it is consumer-friendly, and that's yeah, a good thing. Which is, been sorely lacking which is why I've lately. been so anti-Epic Game Store, is that they're so anti-consumer to the uh, yeah. point of being abusive that uh, the, the fact that it's Microsoft of all people or all, oh, oh it's corporations so of people. <laughs> right. I could hear that eye twitch. <laughs> yep. I made a, made a funny face. Funnier than usual? Yeah. Oh yeah. Way funnier. Um, okie dokie. So our next news topic for the evening um, is the loot box ban bill is introduced to Senate with bipartisan support. Yeah, and the ESA is not pleased, but also with some of the language in it, which this is a case of they're a jerk, but they're not wrong. But at the same time, you know, it's come to this because they've been so inactive and abusive to the consumer base. And, well, first of all, let's get this out here. The name of the bill. You, you already know that this is going to be one of those bills that it's going to jump up a lot of votes just because of the name of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, Are you wanting me to read it? Uh, well, I was looking for it on here. The Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it with Pick a... fag. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just realized what I said when I was being silly. Pick fag. P-C-F-A-G. The Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. Oh, no. A-G-A. Pick faga. That doesn't really make it any better. Uh, it, and now it's French. Great. Save me. Save me. Keep talking. Don't <laughs> shut up. Victory! Oh, <laughs> uh, but... This has come about, at least in the U.S., because the ESA has been stupid. The ESRB has been just 
moronic in their response to the outcry against loot boxes as uh, uh, Jared decides to go shoot up. I hear that. Yep. I didn't meet my mic this time. <laughs> uh, but the ESA uh, the ESA was they were the ones that put out the this game ha- contains microtransactions or oh, sorry in-game purchases which w- was such a obfuscating tag that Literally anything produced in, let's say, the last oh, 10 years would have that tag. Just a, a smokescreen for loot boxes and them actively coming out saying, we don't think it's gambling. The ESA uh, sending uh, their representatives to Hawaii when the first loot box uh, ban on the state level came up. Uh which was so ineffectual that it turned into a meme for a while on the internet. But, yeah, yeah, it was a state-level bill, so it didn't matter that much. But, yeah, we've come up to the point now where the loot box ban is in the Senate. And with a name like that, it's going to be very tough to, you know, vote down, I think. Uh, The fact that, you know, it's, you know, protect the children, protect the children is irritating, but... Yeah. The thing, yeah, I mean, you know, I agree that some of this language is a little bit too vague and might be missing the point in 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 some areas and can be problematic cuz the example given in one of the two articles yeah. is about Bayonetta and how, you know, does Bayonetta qualify as buying, you know, power or being paid to win? Because she's ranked high on the medal list for Smash Brothers. Or just the fact that and she would like, be a choice uh, for a simple strategic choice is the other thing. Let's yeah. just ignore the tier list because the tier list can be dumb. And the tier list right. can change weekly or daily as people discover new yeah. things about characters, especially in a fighting game like Super Smash Brothers. But. Just the choice of having Bayonetta as a strategic option or having any uh, downloadable characters uh, under the bill's language could be considered a pay-to-win mechanic, which, while it's a sucky move, especially in fighting games where they nickel and dime you, isn't something that jumps out uh, to the uh, to the average gamer's mind as a pay-to-win mechanic. So, yes, the ESA has a point here where, yes, the bill is flawed and it is potentially riddled with inaccuracies. They also talk about the microtransaction uh, language where it doesn't detail what microtransactions can or cannot be used. And there's a difference between the different options if it's just cosmetic, if it's loot box if it's gotcha is it uh, an expansion uh, or if it's character driven or that sort of thing the fact that it's a more vague or vague language in the bill itself is troublesome but it's also at the point in the bill's lifespan where these things get ironed out so I, I, yeah. so I honestly think this is the ESA they are pointing out flaws but I think they're uh, not doing it to try to make the bill better. They're trying to make it sound stupid. They're trying to cover their mm-hmm. asses. 
you know, at this point, like, on the one hand, like, I kind of feel for them. Because at the end of the day, it's better if the industry can self-regulate. Like, you know, we've had this conversation yeah. a bunch of times. But they have done so... I mean, they've done nothing. And in fact, they've done things that have made it more difficult to... Yeah, like I mentioned um, the uh, tag yeah, like, from the ESRB. Yeah, they've made it more difficult on consumers to be informed and stay, you know, protected and things like that. So, not that they don't have a say or that their chance is completely gone. But, you know, on the one hand, like, I feel for them. But on the other hand, it's like, fuck you guys. Like, you know, you had, you, you know, you had two decades worth of chances to, like, well, with loot boxes, it's more like you've had, you know, the last 10 years or so to do something about this and you haven't. And now they've forced your hand, and I don't know if there's anything you can actually do about it. Like, this is the bed you've made, now lie in it, sort of deals. So, it, I mean, it's messy. It's complicated, but yeah, uh, you know, here's where we are, yeah. and it's largely their fault. Yeah, which, uh, should we read a little bit of the bill? Yes, I realize this is legally, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, extra words that... Hmm. But uh, the the main thing about this, especially on the loot box band, is they're talking about minor-oriented games because they are thinking of the children. But, you know, by uh, just a side effect, because of how games are marketed, what is considered a minor-oriented game? And they don't really cover ratings from, like, the ESRB as a guideline for this. So, you know, if because... It, a game is marketed during, uh, you know, active uh, times when children would watch TV, for example. Would that be considered a minor-oriented game? Yeah. But minor-oriented game. The term minor-oriented game means an interactive digital entertainment product for which the target audience is individuals under the age of 18 and may be demonstrated by the subject matter of the product, the visual content of the product, the music or audio content of the product. So, hey, it has music kids like. Uh, I guess I guess the big band era is about to come back outside of Cuphead. <laughs> the use of animated characters or activities that appeal to individuals under the age of 18. The age of the characters or the models of the product. The presence of the product of celebrities who are under the age of 18 or celebrities who appeal to the individuals under the age of 18. The language used in the product. So, hey, uh, it looks like cussing's about to come back in a big way, or go away in a big way. One of the two. The content of, or of materials used to advertise the product, which was what I was talking about, and the uh, platforms on which such uh, materials appear. So, if a game advertises on social media, is it targeting children or targeting away from children? Good question, right? Yeah. The content of every advertising materials that appear in the product... The reliable, reliable empirical evidence relating to the composition of the audience of the product or the audience of the product as intended by the publisher or distributor of the product or other evidence demonstrating that the product is targeted at individuals under the age of 18. So, Fortnite's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. I mean, think about that. That's a lot of... Uh, items that could be ticked off and how much of gaming uh, advertising would hit one of those aimed at children. I mean, think of it, literally of any AAA game 
I can't think of one that wouldn't take off at least a couple of those. Especially music and audio content. I mean, that's a bad one. When you say bad, when you, what do you uh, specifically uh, mean? As in like difficult that? to uh, overcome. Oh, okay. Because if there's any pop music in it whatsoever, or any rap whatsoever, I would say that uh, would uh, likely uh, take that one off. I don't know, actually. Pop music, possibly. But rap is uh, well, a lot true. more, has a lot more, like, I mean, because pop music, I mean, pop, you know, popular. Mm-hmm. So whatever's essentially hot with the youth these days. But, I mean, even still, there's different uh, pop music designed for different kids. Like, think about, like, One Direction versus, you know, modern day Taylor Swift. Like, if someone's never heard Taylor Swift before, and they're coming to her as, like, uh, you know, a 10-year-old You do realize you're, uh, now. you're uh, threatening to summon Biff, right? Sweet. <laughs> I hope he shows up. But, um, you know... Taylor Swift might not have the same appeal to children as she once did. Granted, that's an edge case that could probably go either way, but you know, there's or lots of Or what about any of the music, music that, that, we're not, uh, that we're too old to know about? <laughs> that's fair, but I don't, I don't know. It, that one, I mean, that one's pretty negative. Or also, the other one but, is the celebrities who appeal to individuals under the age of eighteen. So memes. If Nicolas Cage appears in a uh, video game. Uh, I wonder how many kids know who Nicolas Cage really yeah, is. Yeah, outside of you know, the random memes, right? Yeah. But would that be enough that they could recognize him? Don't know. See, these are those questions that have to be legally defined at some point. Mm-hmm. Or answered from a legal standpoint. Does that mean we're going to have memes in the Supreme Court? Uh <laughs> Uh, does the presence of Nicolas Cage and uh, a Nicolas Cage meme in uh, Borderlands Three constitute it <laughs> triggering this law? Honestly, I can't believe we haven't had memes in the Supreme Court already. I have no idea if it has or not, but that's a research project for another time. But uh, moving along uh, yeah. to the loot box uh, language. Prohibited, uh, prohibitation yeah. of pay-to-win microtransactions and sales of loot boxes and minor-oriented games. So we covered on you know, the rather nebulous area of what a minor-oriented game is. Turns out it's all of them. Publishers who it is unlawful for a video game publisher to publish a minor-oriented game that includes pay-to-win microtransactions or loot boxes or an update to an existing minor-oriented game, so that, hey, they're catching EA here, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that would enable pay-to-win monetization or loot boxes in such games. Digital game distributors, it is unlawful for a game de- developer or distributor to distribute a minor-oriented game that includes pay-to-win microtransactions or loot boxes or update, blah, 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 same thing. So what are these? Pay-to-win microtransactions in general... The term pay-to-win microtransaction means an add-on transaction to an interactive digital entertainment product that, with respect to interactive digital entertainment product that, from the perspective of a reasonable user of the product, so here's some nebulous language to begin with, is a game offering a scoring system, wait, games still have scoring systems, a set of goals to achieve, a set of rewards, 
or a sense of interactive progression through the product's content, including but not limited to narrative progression, eases a user's progression through... Uh, here's part one. Eases a user's progression through content otherwise available within the game without the purchase of such transaction. So it uh, a time skip, essentially, or a timer reset, or timer removal, I should say, or the shortcut mechanics. Uh, assist a user in accomplishing an achievement within the game that can otherwise be accomplished without the purchase of such transaction. Assist a user in receiving an award associated in the game that is otherwise available in the as- uh, association of uh, within the game's or oh, sorry, within the game without the purchase of such transaction or permits a user to access content of the game that had previously been accessible to the user but has been made inaccessible after the expiration of a timer or a game uh, or a number of game attempts or with respect to an interactive digital entertainment product that uh, from the perspective of a reasonable user of the product is a game featuring competition with other users Provides a user with comparative advantage with respect of the game's comparative aspects over users who do not take, who do not make such a transaction. Oh, what a word uh, mouthful, huh? Yes, indeed. So, in other words, uh, there's a lot of things that actually that would trigger, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. A huge amount and of games. I do see how the ESA uh, can point at that and say, uh, that's bad, yo. But at the same time, this is, yo, the hammering out phase. I would, the ESA would get a lot of respect for me if they came in and said, this is bad, this is how it should be worded, and work with the lawmakers, but they're not going to do that. No. Not in any sort of productive way. And, uh, but, yeah, know, uh, pay-to-win microtransactions, do we need to go into that? I don't think so. Uh, loot box. The term loot box means an add-on transaction to an interactive digital product that, in a randomized or partly randomized fashion, unlocks a feature of a product or adds or enhances the entertainment value of the product or allows the user to make one or more additional add-on transactions that the user could not have made without making the first add-on transaction and the content of which is unknown to the user until the u- until after the user has made the first add-on transaction. So, yeah, I definitely see how they could say that this covers a lot of options. But also, what exactly is enhancing the entertainment value of a product? Because that could fall what? under cosmetics as well. Yeah. I mean, that could be a lot of stuff. Anything that, well, enhances the entertainment value of the product. Cosmetics, loot, which technically could be more cosmetic or not. Levels, characters, expanded content of any kind. Like, that all enhances the product. Ooh. Uh, sorry, I, I'm... Uh, well, I was reading the exclusions. Uh, difficulty modes are an exclusion. Cosmetic alterations are considered an exclusion. An additional game content that eases a user's progression through content otherwise available within the product without the purchase of such transaction. There's actually a typo there. Assist the user in accomplishing an achievement with the, in the product that could otherwise be accomplished without the purchase of such a transaction. 
um, assist the user in receiving an award associated with the product that otherwise available in association with the product without purchase of such a transaction and permits a, uh, permits a user to continue to access content of the product that had previously been accessible to the user but had been made inaccessible after the expiration of a timer or a number of gameplay attempts or it provides a competitive advantage over the other users with respect to the product's competitive aspects. So, uh, the additional game content does fall under uh, an exclusion clause, which is interesting. Yeah, the, the lawyers are going to have fun with this uh, if this goes through as is. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and it say be- that it's a bad bill. I do see the flaws in it. Uh, sending your ingredient. Uh, but at the same time, we need to take a step somewhere. And this does seem like a, a good first step of a rough draft of a of a good bill. Yeah. I agree with that. It's a good first step. I just hope that it gets hammered on a bit more. I, mean, not- I mean, I assume it will be. Most, most bills tend to... Mm-hmm. So, but you know that we don't know how many changes or what type or how big the changes will be. So, yeah, it needs to blossom. It needs to, uh, you know, give some time in the sun and uh, let grow. And we need some fertilizer for it. So shall we move on to our next topic? Let us do that. (laughs) Uh, Our next news topic of the night uh, Todd Howard spews some bullshit. Hey, there's our fertilizer. <laughs> Almost like I planned that yeah. one. We heavily editorialized this topic. Um, the official topic, which or news topic title or whatever, Todd Howard admits that the team knew Fallout 76 was not, quote, a high Metacritic game, end quote, at launch, but it's about, quote, what a game becomes. Well, it's quote. a good thing that he wasn't at some sort of electronic uh, ele- uh, entertainment expo, expo? you know uh, that they could shorten that like uh 3e or something uh talking about how <laughs> a detailed the world is and uh how amazing the game is at launch right yeah it's a good thing that he didn't say anything like that yet there's no record of that anyway yeah they're like recordings that Jim Sterling can play uh, over a video, right? That we would definitely not yeah. link in the show notes. Yep. Definitely <sighs> won't be any links there. Oh, where to even start with this outside of just shaking head, right? Yeah. I, I didn't watch the whole interview. Uh, me either. Um, it's an the- hour and a half and some change. Uh, like closer to an hour and three quarters. And it covers a lot of topics, and this is uh, more laser focused on just Fallout seventy six and the fact that uh, they're following the industry trend of a launch doesn't matter in their eyes as long as they get the game out in a state, not even a playable state in Fallout seventy six's uh, case, it seems, and just fix it later. Uh, there was one portion in the Young Gav video that uh, Jim Sterling didn't cover uh, that he talked about how maybe they should have had a more open beta that was longer. Also known as a... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to p- 
pull a phrase out of uh, my ass and say a testing phase, a beta test, and not just a server stress test? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch the Young A video, so I didn't see that. But, yep, that makes sense that they should have done that. Yeah, but then um, he was also talking about how he wanted to get the game in the hands of uh, gamers sooner. So, uh, that kind of contradicts the whole idea of him wanting to test the game more. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing just came across as very disingenuous. The same old garbage we've seen from game executives a lot. Especially on the week coming up to E3 uh, as well. Or, or sorry, uh, 3E. <laughs> I assume this is, like, sort of meant to try and, like, right at the very end, like, sort of reset feelings on all of this. And I'm sure it works for, will work for some people. Like, I'm not, you know, naive. But I just, this feels like it's going to backfire way more than it will be positive. Well, well, I was going to say, I think for the general population that felt burnt by uh, Fallout 76... It's not going to matter because it's the enthusiast level. Who's going to sit through a hour and you know uh, almost two hour interview uh, to you know get outraged by and uh, the people that you know casually play games? Uh, they're not going to be following the people that uh, you know uh, covered this. And this only popped up on a couple of the uh, gaming sites I follow. So yeah. What I think that's what pisses me off most is that this isn't going to spread more. This isn't going to go to the four corners of the internet. This is going to piss off the enthusiast level. The ones that already know that Todd Howard is uh, almost as full of shit as Peter Molyhew. Not quite, but he's getting there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, the ones that really need to know this to you know, not believe his uh, uh, sweet little lies aren't going to hear this and they're just going to get burnt again and again and again until, you know, they get more jaded and either give up on gaming or, or become more informed and come closer to the enthusiast level. Or, or what would be the level uh, informed, uh, more informed ab- uh, about uh, gaming? Yeah. Uh, more interested, informed, not necessarily enthusiast, but. Yeah, but become a more informed uh, gamer and realize, oh, the, you know, maybe I shouldn't. But yeah, you know, Bethesda still, for the masses, yeah, you know, is still riding on that kind of wave of uh, honestly past glory. Because yeah, uh, Bethesda honestly feels like just a hollow shell of what they were twenty years ago. And hey, they're still producing the same game content. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't using the same the, engine. Part of the the <laughs> the part of the interview that I did watch, some of it was on uh, that was in the Jim Sterling video mm-hmm. and maybe the Yongye video too. And then I went and kind of skimmed through it just briefly, like just like watching him talk was. He has a very punchable face. It wasn't face, making me he? mad. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't making me I'm mad. A- it didn't go that far, but I just was like, I can't, I was sitting there like, seriously, dude, like really. But I mean, that's what they do. Like they just, I don't know. They get very good at just talking bullshit. Uh, Peter Malhewing. 
Yeah. Of uh, which, the the fact that No Man's Scott was able to turn things around, I think, is a argument in his favor, but also hurts consumers in the long run. Yes, yes, I realize that you enjoy No Man's Scott, but it's a point of hey, they were able to do it. Maybe this game could do it if we hold on long enough. Or okay, it's a broken state now, but. Games as a service is a thing, so they'll patch it eventually, and then I'll be able to enjoy it. It just feels like such a sucker's bet to buy a game, especially a game that is a live service game, in the first six months. It used to be, that used to be my stance with purely MMOs, to not even really research them for six months, because when I left World of Warcraft, it was kind of the tail end of the WoW killer phase. There were so many just dead and dying MMOs on the market that it didn't really make sense to even get invested. It was, okay, well, let's see how it does six months from now. What's the population like? It's feeling like that pretty much for the industry above the double A threshold now. Especially games that do games of service. I think the biggest difference between No Man's Sky, though, and other games is that for better or for worse and i think it turned out for better in their case they just kept their mouth shut and went to work well it would also have been nice to have some sort of communication because there was also that yeah what was it like six months uh just no communication whatsoever yeah there was a long time that there was no communication and that wasn't good in the moment but it was like no we're we're not like doing all this you know pr stuff you know, i mean highly paraphrasing but it's like we're not doing all this pr stuff we're working like that was about the only statement that they made is like we're working on it and then they started releasing the updates and the expansions and you know the additional content i mean there's definitely a you know an argument for and it gets uh, no man scott as a precedent for this uh that yes they were able to turn around but at the same time uh, while they did have Sony at their back, they uh, it could still be considered a double A game that had triple A marketing. Yeah. So it doesn't quite translate. And here's the other thing: is that No Man's Sky isn't a game as a service game, or at least you know by all the definitions. Yeah, and it doesn't have Very a recurrent uh, payment model. It doesn't have microtransactions in it, like a lot of these games do that expect you to not only buy in, but you know, get all the microtransactions. Hey, you got to get the expansion as well to keep up. Uh, in some cases, I don't think uh, uh, Anthem has done that yet. Mostly because they couldn't get away with it. Let's be, let's yeah. be honest here. But uh, it's just, just seeing him give that interview the snippets of it i looked at it to watch the full thing and i thought oh i do not need to get that angry before or i saw the yeah wanted to watch the whole thing saw the length and saw i do not want to get that angry before recording <laughs> or this or, or, yeah, close to recording i should say because i have a feeling it would have right. pissed me off yeah well i mean mine was mostly just time I was watching while I was having lunch at work today. I technically had time, but I also realized that I would not be able to sit here and watch the entire thing on one run. I would have lost my cool and I would have needed to step away. And uh, then I wouldn't have had time. 
Yeah. Very fair. Good good use of self-control, buddy. Two thumbs up. Yeah, but then I'll uh, throw it away by saying, fuck Don Howard. <laughs> well, he did talk some shit, so. You know, there's only so much we can we can do. Yeah, and hey, he's going to talk about Fallout 76 at E3, uh, or sorry, 3E. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really, well, I mean, I'm not neither looking forward to nor not looking forward to that. It's just a thing that he's going to do. Yeah, we're going to have to find, like, some bad music that just lies, lies, lies. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah. Ready to move on? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, oh, sorry, I was just looking at Tom. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll we'll get through as much as we can, but we're we're coming up to pumpkin hour. So, how old have we been recording for? Two fifteen yeah. minus a bit. So, uh, well, that's what ten. Maybe. Well, that's why my timer is two sixteen twenty six right now. Gotcha. Okie dokie. The next news topic is the WHO Gaming or WHO World Health Organization Gaming Disorder Classification violates cultural freedom, South Korean Culture Ministry says. So for the ICD-11, which is the international uh, diagnostic code for all disease, um, mental or physical, uh, they have added gaming disorder, gaming addiction disorder, as an official diagnosis, as well as some other stuff. I was actually taking a look at this today before uh, I even saw that you'd put it down as a news topic. Like, we were looking at some of the recent things that they've confirmed are going to be in. Uh, saying they're chuckling? Or, uh, like, oh. I did have a chuckle about gaming, uh, the gaming one, but there's some other stuff in there that I thought was interesting. Like, they'll probably workshop the name a little bit, but it is, um, uh, what did they call it? career burnout disorder oh yeah i heard about that uh, career stress burnout disorder or something like that i wonder what the japanese are calling uh, for uh, it's against their culture <laughs> haven't seen anything about that but although i haven't looked for it but um yeah for those who don't know the japanese actually have a word for uh dying from overwork yeah um, but we've mentioned this a couple of times. I mean, for anyone who just happens to be a new listener, relatively new, or maybe this is even your first episode, hello. Uh, I'm a therapist, like uh, a real one. I don't just play one on TV. Well, you do as well. So, I, <laughs> so occasionally this comes up, you know, we'll have stuff like this come up, and I'll sort of weigh in on it from a professional perspective. And we've talked about this gaming disorder thing a, a few times. Because it's been kind of tossed back and forth a little bit on whether or not it was going to be a real uh, upcoming diagnosis or not. Um, And we've kind of tried to approach the merits from both sides of it, you know, seeing both arguments for why it should or shouldn't. And now that it's been confirmed that it's going to be, uh, at the very least, South Korea is basically not happy with it. Um, Yeah, which South Korea has a more open gaming culture than pretty much anywhere on the planet. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a reason why StarCraft II's uh, uh, esports scene is pretty much headquarters in South Korea, is that it's a very big deal gaming in uh, South Korea. So I'm uh, looking here for the actual quote from the cultural minister. Yeah, I should probably pull the article back up. <laughs> I accidentally closed it, and I just left it closed. Uh, let's see. We regret that our Ministry of Welfare joined uh, the, 
uh, World Health Organization meeting as our country representative agreed in making gaming addiction a disease. So it's a very subtle statement. Uh, there's a significant debate among uh, medical and uh, professionals about today's uh, WHO action. We're concerned that they reached their conclusion without the consistency of the academic community. The consistence, the consequences of today's actions could be far-reaching, unintended, and to the detriment of those who need genuine help, which I would say is a potentially fair case. And from the yeah. sounds of it, uh, based on a few YouTubers that's taken the test for the WHO, to be fair, you know, this is a self-sampling survey, right? Or self-sampling uh, uh, study, I guess, in this case. A self-reporting yeah. study. Although, I mean, you know, you mentioned this earlier and we kind of briefly talked about it. That's how most uh, psychoanalysis, psychotherapy, and diagnostics works. I mean, you can be sent to a facility where you're observed and diagnosed that way, but that's a much rarer sample. Probably 95% of anyone who goes in for uh, mental health related um, stuff, you will sit down with someone and your diagnosis will be based largely around self-report. Um, for some things like schizophrenia, uh, manic episodes, which are brought on as part of bipolar, there's some like really specific stuff. I won't get too off in the weeds, but there are certain things that symptoms present and it's like, okay, that's a symptom. It probably means this thing or that thing. But a lot of times it's like, you know, with depression and anxiety, uh, increased anger, things like that, there's no real way to test it. Like, I can't get a blood sample and tell you, oh, yes, your depression level is, you know, XYZ. I like to see you try to take a blood one, two, sample. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, oh, you know, you'll you get a blood sample. Like it may that. not be mine. <laughs> But, you know, you can't you can't do that. So, you know, probably 95% of mental health diagnoses are based on self-report. Yeah, I pulled up... Or uh, a combination of self-report and then some other symptomology, depending on what symptoms are present. Yeah, I pulled up uh, the GameIndustry.biz article and I added it to the show notes because it looks like it has a little bit more. Uh, but mostly it seems like it's going uh, between... Uh, not the fact that it is a disorder, but more how to treat it. If it's a, just a matter of moderation or clinical treatment, which is an interesting way to uh, phrase it, you know, or are they just saying yeah. that it's, yeah, we don't think this is a thing or we disagree with how you're treating it. And it seems like there's just a split on where it's going. But then again, you know, uh, a recent academic report estimated that the gaming disorder classification could cost South Korea economy $9 billion. So, yeah, they definitely have an interest in this. <laughs> yeah. It's... And it's one of those things, too. Like, a lot of it just comes down to, you know, how you're actually working towards treating it and how honest and uh, much effort you're willing to put into said treatment. I mean... There's lots of times that people come in with addictions to things, and it's like, okay, well, let's talk about this. Like, is this something that actually you do need to abstain from, or are there other areas in your life that strengthening or adjusting 
um, can help give you some more positive coping skills to deal with whatever this addiction is actually sort of propping up. Ooh, uh, and gaming falls into that category as yeah, well. I'm kind of falling down the rabbit hole in this. I'm going to have to maybe add another one. But uh, on the article talking about the hit, they're talking about the negative stigma that the World Health Organization is giving gaming with this classification, essentially trying to, according to them, uh, lumping in with drugs and talking about how how would any self-respecting parent allow their child to get a job in the gaming industry, uh, almost equating it to a drug dealer. An interesting uh, uh, way to go about it, but then again, it's also a little bit sensationalist as well. Yeah, I mean, that feels like a very extreme point of view. But this is also, uh, you know, them losing potentially $9 billion. I'm assuming uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, Yeah, a conversion. uh, Out of their economy. And, yeah. So, potentially a little self-serving as well. But it's uh, kind of an interesting argument on both sides of things. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely valid points to both sides of it. While I don't think that that's a valid point that they just tried to use in their sensationalist argument, I mean, there are valid points to be made. Like, you know, there's been concerns about these sort of rehab centers that have popped up and, um, you know, how helpful would it actually be? There's issues with overdiagnosing um, and diagnosing that when it's not really helpful. Or even just a self-diagnosis because the way the World Health Organization has it set up is that it's essentially a survey and it spits out the results after a 20-minute questionnaire. Yeah. So I'm going to take the questionnaire. I mean, we didn't have time before recording to do it, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to go through it and 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 take it and see what the results are. With E3 coming up next, uh, it's going to be two weeks before we would really be able to cover it anyway, unless you throw it into the games you played. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes and what my results come up as and how accurate I feel they are. Um, You know, I'm going to, to the best of my ability, answer the questions as honestly as possible. But sometimes, like, weird wording can show up and and convolute something or the actual results that you give in. Oh, trust me. As as, uh, someone that uh, does uh, these things for a little bit of extra money on the side uh, occasionally. Uh, yeah, it turns out there's a free, uh, yeah, a freelance uh, thing for that <laughs> online. Who knew, right? Yeah, uh, it's just you know, professional test subject. <laughs> I'm a, a professional lab rat. Uh, I have hit some surveys that are very leading with how they have their uh, questions worded, and it's something after doing a few thousand of them, uh, I started to notice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the World Health Organization would try to be a little bit more neutral about it and not be as leading as, you know, some random student doing a thesis. I would hope at least, but, you know, there's no guarantees on this as well, which could kind of flow back into how South Korea is you know, a little worried about this. Uh, maybe uh, right. seeing it as the West trying to horn in on their culture, which is you know, where they're coming from the cultural standpoint and potentially hurting their economy in the process. But hey, why would the West uh, be hurting the Asian economy just at, uh, you know, complete random, right? 
<laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll see how this continues to pan out. I was in favor of it, um, you know, when it's came up on the show before. I still am. Um, but, you know, like I said, I see valid points on the other side of the argument. It's not all you know, sensationalist garbage or whatever. Yeah, which there's, there's definitely some valid points to be yeah, made. Uh, that's the problem with modern media is that the sensationalist garbage, uh, the, sorry, the fake news, it gets a lot further yeah. than a rational, uh, valid point these days, unfortunately. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have one news topic? Yeah, we left? have one more. Yeah, we got one more. So, Clicker Heroes is removed from the App Store. That's Apple iTunes. After Chinese company clones the game, claims the trademark, and requests removal. Yeah, which this is a fluke on the Chinese copyright law where uh, it's, you don't have to prove that you did it first. You have to just trademark it first. And Clicker Heroes did not trademark their game in China because they didn't realize, one, they had to do that. And to this fluke of the law. And this is not the first time this has happened. This is just the first time that it's happened to a mobile game. Or 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 yeah. that's gotten enough publicity that's you know, come up on our radar. Yeah. Um they've done this with lots of physical products. Like they've done this my you know, the best example I have is uh Mini Cooper. Um they copied the design of the Mini Cooper and uh, kicked them out of the country and said, you can't sell your cars here anymore, and then immediately released a Chinese version of the Mini Cooper. Uh, but with a K. And... <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, uh, which, um, with the, uh, you know, the Chinese-English uh, accent. Yeah, that's completely different. Yeah. But, you know, and they've, they've done that with other stuff, too, but just I remember Top Gear had a, an episode, well, it's Grand Tour now, they had an episode on, that was in China, and discussed a lot of, like, Chinese cars and stuff, uh, this past season, I believe it was this past season, and they, they talked about that, how that China has stolen car designs before, and then basically just said in court, like, no, no, we, we made it first in China, so that counts for us, you can't do anything to us legally. Yeah, which they've set up the so, law to be able to do that, and hey, it's happening in, uh, the gaming market now, in the mobile market at least, but uh, they, uh, the developer of Clicker Heroes has basically said that they're not even going to bother uh, trying to re-release in China because the only way to do so is to change the name and go through a rather expensive uh, licensing process. And also to uh, launch a game in China, you actually have to have it locally published through a third party, essentially. So they've just counted China as a loss. Let's see. Uh, they they uh, they actually lost the game worldwide for a time just because of the trade dis or the copyright dispute. And uh, after it fell through, they uh, the uh, Chinese went to Apple and said, "Hey, they're stealing our game." <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, Apple turned it back on everywhere except in China after a little bit. Yeah, which I imagine I, uh, you know, Apple doing that worldwide, they didn't really have a choice because they had to uphold a, uh, you know, essentially uh, something like the DMCA where in order to be considered a safe harbor, 
I'm not sure how this works exactly, but I'm applying the DMCA, what I know of it, to it. That they immediately have to take it down, then they have to launch the investigation of what happened. They can't, you know, just you know, say, oh, okay, well, we'll investigate and check this out. No, it has to immediately go down, at least in the DMCA. I'm not sure Chinese have, you know, some sort of agreement, but, you know, it's very much in Apple's interest to appease the Chinese. Right. I mean, China's a massive market for any product, if you can well, get in there. Well, it's the biggest market. Yeah. I mean, there's only, well, you know, one billion and some change uh is china's population up to two billion actually i don't know um china's population 1.386 1.3 okay of uh 2017 so let's add uh, like another 0.2 to that yeah but I mean, China is making huge strides, but there's still a huge disparity in certain areas of China. Actually, you said that's I mean, interesting. Sorry. Is India looks like they're catching up big time as well. Yeah, India is becoming a, or has become a huge market as yeah, well. But, yeah, but uh, China's we, kind of, uh, uh, has a slope going that's kind of flattening out while India is just rocketing up. Well, China's one child, uh, policy, child yeah. policy law is has really held them back. Yeah, although that population growth still pretty big, but you know, thinking about it though in real terms, like even if you only had access to fifty percent of China's market, that's still uh, that's still more than seven hundred million people. That's double the entire population of the United States. If you only had, even if you only had access to, not that you had cornered fifty percent of the market, but you just had access to fifty percent. That's still twice the U.S. population. So never mind. What I said was dumb. I'm on a roll this week with dumb stuff that I've said. Uh, hardly surprising. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. It, the U.S. population is less than a quarter. Uh, 23.49% to be exact. As of 2017. So the fact that yeah, companies are shifting to more focus on China and appeasing Chinese law, even though Chinese law is well, let's be honest, it's stacked towards to favor the Chinese because that's how it's always been for them. Yeah. It's not exactly surprising, but it really sucks that uh, any game that's even having a modicum of success have to uh you know deal with all these added hoops now because china could just steal it and take down the original game uh, worldwide for a time yeah that's um seems like way too much power there with that or way too much ability to to do something like that mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the right way to say it, but I think I know, like, that seems like an extreme overreach. It is China, though, so. Yeah, I just have to wonder, you know, how long can uh, China just abuse that, though, without having some sort of, I don't know, tariff put on them or something. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm on a, I'm more political uh, prodding this week, I guess. It's all right. 
again, this is another thing. We'll see how it develops, but I yeah, think... Yeah, and this uh, is also one of those things that we don't really have a lot of knowledge of Chinese law. And I'm, and I'm trying to put allegories that really don't uh, fit because the Chinese law... Well, we talked about the Chinese culture before where uh, they have an emphasis of winning no matter what. And that's why yeah. there's so many hackers out of China. It's not just sheer numbers and, you know, one uh, percent of one point three billion is still a lot of people, or one percent of a population that is you know, playing a particular game. But China has a win by uh, any means necessary, just because there's so much competition uh, that their law is designed around that concept as well. Uh, is mm, Kind of sucky for anyone that wants to go into that market and yeah, actually play fair by other standards. But that's also probably why we see so many games that launch individual versions that are completely foreign to what the game is outside of the Chinese market. There was an article that I saw while I was doing the news sweep talking about uh, Fallout Shelter, how it has changed over the last couple updates to be essentially a completely different game, but only in the Chinese market. Uh, mm-hmm. Just trying to appease that, you know, 1.3 billion. Eve's doing that. They're launching a completely different version of the game in the Chinese market on mobile devices. Now, like I, well, I remember uh, WoW for quite a while, they had a completely separate launcher in uh, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion was delayed by like a year and some change just because of uh, how Chinese culture uh, views the dead and especially skeletons as disrespectful that yeah. they had to redo a lot of modeling. They had to essentially take all the skulls off things, which meant, I think, pretty much a complete redesign of the Lich King. <laughs> yep, that that would do it. It's going to be interesting to see where things go as China becomes a more world power and as India is kind of challenging them. Because uh, India has its own restrictive cultures at, uh, or cultural norms as well, but not nearly as much as China does. I know even less about Indian culture than I know about Chinese culture. Uh, I only know a couple of things, but I don't really want to go on the record form to, just in case, you know? Right. I know a little bit about Chinese culture just because the two Chinese exchange students that lived with my in-laws for so long and that we still uh, keep up with and still see at like Christmas and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've asked them lots of questions about China and Chinese culture, but it's still kind of a narrow perspective because they're both uh, uh, like early 20-something women who come from roughly the same sort of economic background and stuff so well i go to the asian market occasionally (laughs) yes i have a container of chinese five spice Uh, but i'm joking i i do understand a few of the things and i've read up on it a little bit uh but i do know that uh there's uh certain restrictions that you just can't do in china uh, well, uh, the news was talking about the Dominican, uh, Dominican Square uh, uh, well, massacre and how the Chinese have completely suppressed knowledge of that in uh, mainstream China. 
So, hey, if you have a game talking about uh, uh, you know, historical events of the last oh, 30 or so years, uh, well, uh, you're going to have trouble, <laughs> right? Yeah. Boy, that got on a downer, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. That's okay. Anytime political stuff comes up, it's pretty much a downer, honestly. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry I've been prodding you too much. Nah, it's okay. Um, I'll be more gentle. Thanks, I appreciate that. So I suppose the next thing... Um, if we're quick, we can get through Discovery Yeah, Q. let's go Discovery Q. And then wrap we, up. I didn't have one last week, but we don't have... Uh, much in community corner uh, outside of no game night next week because Jared needs to catch up on uh, his E3 stuff uh, to have uh, an hopefully an extravaganza. But if you used to contribute on uh, the VGL community corner, you could do so VGL podcast at gmail.com or VGL podcast on the Twitter and now hit our theme music. Indeed. And I got one immediately once again. I did too this oh. week. And uh, went to copy and paste, but I still had a copy of the other article. I got Void Bastards. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I got Void Bastards. Uh, All right. Keep going. Uh, Void Bastards. A, uh, inspired by Bioshock and System Shock, Void Bastards is a revolutionary new strategy shooter that will test your wits as well as exercise your aim. So... A first-person shooter uh, has a very, very Borderlands look to it, but I think it's just uh, the art style that they've gone for. A very comic book-esque art style, not as strong a uh, cell shading. Yeah, Uh, I agree with that. I definitely uh, can see some of the the, uh, System Shock uh, 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 roots to this, especially in uh, how the ships are laid out. It's a very interesting looking game, and I'm just kind of padding while you uh, search. Or do you want? Uh, do you have a comment on this? Since you saw this as well, it looks like it has. Um, some, I actually it looks like it has some uh, uh, secondary ways to deal with things. So it's more stealth based as well, or options for stealth with uh, additional. Oh well, uh, op- uh, additional options to take care of enemies, which is always a nice thing to see. Uh, too often, these first-person games, uh, they tend to be just either straight-up shooting uh, shoot-em-ups or straight-up stealth, but it looks like this is a interesting mixture of the two. But you were saying? Yeah, I mean, that's gonna, I, I don't really have too much to add. I saw Jim Sterling did a Jim Impressions video yeah, on see, it. Yeah, I didn't see that. And he generally liked it, and I liked the look of it, and just, the, just everything about it, the look, the feel... The Borderlands-esque cell shading art style, because I mean that reminded me of that immediately. At first, I thought it was like a Borderlands thing, like you know, an expansion, a side project, something. Mm-hmm. But then I, I realized, yeah, but it turns was out I'm Wood the void bastard. bastard. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, me as well, obviously. So, do you have another one? Nope. Okay, so how about uh, some Conan the Barbarian? Conan, Unconquered. Uh, essentially Stronghold uh, mixed with Conan with uh, some uh, extra city building uh, aspects thrown in as well from the looks of it. 
build your stronghold and assemble an unconquerable army to survive the savage hordes. It's a mixed reviews, but it doesn't have that many reviews, but it's sitting at 68%. Uh, in this real-time strategy survival game set in the world of Conan the Barbarian, developed by Command and Conquer Veterans. So, ooh, uh, I just got your attention, huh? Uh, Petroglyph. Yeah. Who have... Uh, oh, they did Grey Goo, so that, that was actually a decent game. I didn't get to play much of it. I liked Grey Goo. So, this is from the same developer. Sweet. I'm interested. Grey Goo, uh, Star Wars Empire at War. I really liked Empire so, at War. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm kind of uh, selling you on this now. It has a definite, like, uh, Age of Empires look to it. But I think that may just be the more sort of exaggerated art style. And since it's Conan the Barbarian, it's kind of in that, uh, not medieval, but, uh, like, you know, the proper name of the term now. But you know what I'm talking about, that sort of a time period? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, sort of, so. uh, around Roman time with the, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the proper term, analogy here, but, uh, it definitely looks like it could be an Age of Empires game. With a, a mixture of stronghold command, uh, stronghold, which there's not enough games in my opinion that have a stronghold feel to them, where you're building up your uh, essentially you're turtling up. Yeah, I do like I do like to turtle. Yeah, there the was uh, one billion, wasn't it, or something like that, uh, that uh, came out not too long ago. Uh, that was a real time strategy. We got something out of my library. Uh, Spellforce 3 Soul Harvest. Uh, no, 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 I... you mispronounced it. It's Soul. No, Soul Harvest. So, the Spellforce series has been a game series I've been intrigued in for a long time. Um, on Steam, I have Spellforce 2 Demons of the Past. Uh, I, that was one of the early games I got for review, uh, way back when I was doing game reviews. Uh, I really like the series. It's got this interesting combination of real-time strategy and RPG mechanics where you have hero characters that level up and that you can acquire gear for um, and that you can choose different team members. There's actually like genuine story dividing choices, you know, not just sort of false choices. And not all of them at least appear to be binary choices. Um, there's some nuance to it. There's an interesting um, magic system that you can utilize if you're controlling your heroes in a more sort of isometric or top-down style versus when they're in an RTS mode. It Spellforce 2 was an excellent game. I've, pre I've since played the older, the original Spare Spellforce, and then there's like one of those like sort of sequel things that's or spinoffs that has the same sort of mechanics and stuff in it. Um, but it's not a numbered sequel. I've enjoyed every one of them that I've played, and I didn't know that this was coming out. Yeah, I got review code I'm of interested. It like last week. I'm not sure if it's a direct sequel or not, if it has into the story or not. I hadn't gotten a chance to play it, and because I yep, cut my thumb, I didn't want to uh, worry about a strategy game. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I didn't have never really cared for is this game series hasn't had great voice acting. Uh, the ones that have had voices um, and beyond just like the cutscenes and stuff. 
voice acting is not great, but that's something that I can sort of deal with and overlook. So good games. I have thoroughly enjoyed the ones that I've played previously. So, and then, I mean, this is only 25 bucks and this game just came out the 28th. So the fact that that's its price makes me happy. Uh, so I'm up. Yeah. Uh, the Twain. Wait, I've got a lot of trains today. Yes, yes, we're very proud of you. I'm just waiting for it to pass. See, this one's a lot louder. It is louder. Okay, I think it's... Well, it's passing now, but... I think it uh, it's good enough. So, Gatto Roboto. Mr. Roboto. So, a... Metroidvania game where you're a cat exploring a spaceship and an armored mech. This is published by Devolver Digital, so things are going to get weird. But it has a it has okay. an interesting aesthetic to it. It's a original Game Boy look to it. A, a little bit crisper in the wrong color scheme, but to be honest, uh, the original Game Boy games were black and white. It's just they were on a green screen or a green filter. So... It has a very interesting art style to it. Uh, and, you know, I do like my Metroidvania games. I don't get to play them as much as I would like just because often they uh, are. They're that one indie. Uh, well, they're about the second of one to uh, just regular platformer that there's a lot of trash in. And it's uh, tough to sort through. And also, they take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But this is a interesting little game, it looks like. Definitely worth checking out, and it's in the sub-$10 range. It is $7. Or, sorry, $8. At, at, uh, $6.80 to, on its release sale. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. So, you got one? Yeah. I'm nearly through my whole queue, though. I have not had much... Oh, I, I've uh, I've had a really good queue. I I have my next one immediately after this one. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, basically, my next one. This. Uh, the uh, oh, oh, go ahead, but I'm gonna say my next one. Uh, the first sentence is gonna sell you on it. Okay. So I got uh, glorious companions. I've heard a couple of things about this game um, from people who had it pre-release, just like seeing stuff about it. Uh, it's a turn-based tactical RPG uh, where you're the leader of a mercenary company. It's a, you know, and you're doing turn-based combat. Um, I mean, I love myself a good turn-based combat game. I've heard that the mechanics in this are really solid. It's got a pretty good story. Um, and the sort of management aspects of it are uh, handled well. So I am I'm in for that. Uh, just seems like a good, solid turn-based strategy game from what I have heard. Okay, right, so I have Dragoon. Dragoon is a single-player first-person droid noir mystery set in the 1920s Norway. Or Ford Noir. So it's a mystery game set in 1920s Norway. So that's an interesting time frame and area to put a game in. Uh, but it looks like, let's see, the year is 1923, you play Charles, uh, Edward Charles Harden, 
American traveler who's come to Norway to find his missing sister, but you're not alone in every step of the way. Edmund's accompanied by the, his ward, Lissy, a gangrenous, independent, energetic young woman. You must explore the scenic coastal uh, community nestled amongst the fjords and mountains in rural Norway. I mean, the game looks absolutely beautiful. It has a little bit of a overshine to it, like everything's a little plasticky uh, on some of the uh, uh, wood textures. It has a very nice, uh, like warm feel to it, which makes me think that things are going to get go south quickly in this. It is labeled as a walking simulator, which is a little troublesome, but that tends to be uh, towards anything that's more uh, narrative than anything else these days. And at first, when I first saw that, I thought it said Freud, as in you know, the psychologist, and not Fjord, which is why I thought it would be more interesting. But it is a very interesting looking game to me. And hey, 1920s Norway, that's something we haven't seen before. Yeah, that's a new one. Um... <laughs> it, it keeps giving me this. No, Ignore. I do not want Elder Scrolls again. Oh, dear God. Alright, that's uh, that, my that's cute. Your, that's I just got porn. two games. Uh, that's porn that you've sent me, actually. Is it? Uh, the Naughty Maid one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I had that one last time we did a queue. Uh, interesting. I'm looking at one. Uh, it's a VR game, so I'm going to pass on it. But it's from the co-creator of Rick and Morty. That's one thing. Uh, the fandom of Rick and Morty has kind of put me off from ever wanting to watch that show. They, they get a little bit much. Yeah, I've never been interested in Rick and Morty. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, I'm... Cooking through... Uh, roguelite deck building game? Why not, right? And then I click off it accidentally. Whoops. Come on. So, Neoverse. Sounds like a Neopets uh, knockoff, doesn't it? Or a weird matrix. Neoverse is a beautiful, fantastic game consider uh, consisting of adventures with thrilling challenges. Well, it's old, right? Uh, so, deck building roguelite. I mean, it, it looks interesting, but it's one of those things that deck building games is more gameplay focused. It, I am a little concerned about the Chinese, it looks like, in this. Or at least the kanji, which, yep. Especially since it's an $18 game, which is also a weird number, isn't it? Maybe it's a... a yeah, that's what I was thinking. Let's see, it's not as good as Slate the Spire, way too easy and too slow. Deck building is very restrictive according to one of the negative reviews. It has a lot of reviews, but there's, yeah, a lot of them are in kind of semi-broken English. Which, it's hard to tell if that's fake or not these days, right? I mean, it's worth checking out if you've played uh, Slate the Spire to death and, you know, you want an early access title. Let's see. D D Don't D mind me, now's the moment I've chosen to eat my apple. Neoverse is already ready to launch. Well, there wasn't an early access, right? <laughs> so that you can access it early, but still pay money. 
but then they're not held responsible for issues because it's early access. Hang on, I need to... I want to go check this on the visual novel database, but I found a visual novel that doesn't look like immediate shit. So, uh, even though it has a title, that's a little troublesome. Sangru Rini, I Love Triangle Trouble, which, like I said, it sounds a little troublesome. So, I'm heading to the visual novel database to see what is up with this. So, don't mind me. Uh, uh, go check it out. Uh, let's see. It's ranked in a medium visual novel at the 10 to 30 hour range. Hey, it has incest, so there you go, right? I almost choked on a bite <laughs> of my apple when you said, hey, there's incest. There you go, right? <laughs> uh, uh, should I go look for a new uh, <laughs> co-host? No, I lived. I, I, got it. I swallowed my, my apple. It's a really big apple. It's not very good. I'm glad I've got peanut butter. Uh, so, uh, something to make it sweet. But yeah, it looks like it's um make it better. Uh, the reason why I went to the visual novel database is that it gives me more information on exactly what's going on. It looks like it's a comedic, uh, almost satire of uh, the uh, love triangle trope in the visual novels and anime, which is interesting. It does have some naughty content, so that will interest Jared. Uh. Yeah, there is, like I said, there is an incest storyline in it, but it looks like there, it's yeah, a choice of storyline. It's not a kinetic novel like our last game club was. So, hey, choice that matters, right? Yeah, multiple endings. Uh, and it has a some uh, cutscenes that have a chibi-like art style or some sort of super deformed art style. Overall, art-wise, looks fairly decent. Uh, yeah, there's the chibi art style. Uh, art-wise, looks pretty decent. Uh, it looks like it's been fairly well received. Uh, it looks like it's a fully featured uh, visual novel with some semi-decent uh, voice acting, which is yeah, kind of a rarity for Steam. Uh, there's plenty of immature, pervy humor, according to one of the reviewers. Uh, some of them... Uh, or saying that uh, the characters are kind of knockoffs, so that kind of lends itself to it being a satire game, which, yeah, that's fine, right? But yeah, interesting. It looks like it's not immediate uh, trash, and it's actually rated uh, in the eights and uh, nines. So yeah, there you go. Oh, here we go. And you don't have this one. So hey, I got another one on the list. I I make myself uh, work so hard on my show notes. Sonic Team Racing. It's Sonic. It's racing. It's a team. Uh, there's a focus on team fo- uh, gameplay this time around uh, with some sort of tag mechanic, if I recall correctly. Uh, uh, with a cooperative gameplay element uh, with uh, either AI or uh, human players. It does... Uh, if memory serves, they are trying to do more of a... Uh, a balanced storyline or a balanced single player mode. The uh, original uh, well, uh, Sonic uh, Racing Transformed it kind of peaked out uh, in the late game where uh, the challenges started getting so difficult it was very hard to progress in single player. So yeah. And my last game looks like trash so I'll skip that. So hey I'm through my queue. 
Only added half of it. Now yeah, bad cue this week, then. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, maybe right. I should have installed cool. Void Bastard from you. <laughs> well, that's okay. I am three quarters of the way through this apple. It's a very large apple. I've also been eating it slowly. So as to not be too loud, I've muted a couple of times, but... Oh, yeah, eat it. If I needed to talk. But that means it's time for me to say, hey, Rage, hit up with socials. So that means I scroll all the way back up at the top while I say, once again, you could reach us at BGL Podcast on Twitter, or you could email us, BGL Podcast, with your letters, voicemails, and gaming-related topics. I uh, just want to throw in that once again to try to emphasize, hey, send us some stuff before I say... I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the Twitter, Gaming with CR, where I uh, tweet Deadpool uh, gifts when I cut my finger. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can find me maybe someday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. And you have been... Gaming Psychologist, whom you can find over on YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can bring my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to JR34707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. (laughs) Yeah, I went back into my uh, list of words for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can you guess who I was thinking of? No. Hornswoggle, really? Really? Get the better of I mean, I recognize, uh, someone by cheating or deception. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were thinking the wrestler, weren't you? I didn't know there was a wrestler named Hornswoggler. So yeah, he uh, he no. was back in the Attitude Era of uh, the back when it was the WWF. He was uh, a, a leprechaun. He was a midget. Well, that's interesting. Matter of fact, if you Google Hornswoggle, you get quite a few uh, uh, Leprechaun Midget uh, Wrestler uh, uh, photos. I will have to look that up later. <laughs> he was actually a tag team champion at some point. Oh, look, he's hugging Vince McMahon. You know, it gives uh, Vince McMahon a better angle to you know, shove the knife on his back, right? Yeah. Hey, hey uh, we found a bigger uh, dick than uh, Todd Howard. Vince McMahon. <laughs> the biggest dick of them all. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, back to the outro. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, let's see. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash VGL podcast helps pay for this absolute madness. <laughs> and who knows what has been cut and what hasn't been cut it, uh, by our all powerful editor. But wow. if you wish to find, uh, what has been cut, you can find, uh, that in the Franken episodes over on VGL podcast.pondbead.com or you can find them eventually on iTunes, Google Play. Our Podbean also has the show notes, links to all our stuff online, and who knows what. Oh, and a link to our Discord. One of these days, I am going to have to fix that uh, bot, though. Or just, you know, force people to be shoved in a crate for ten minutes. We had a bit of a spammer problem for a while. What can I say? As I pop my back and say, our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Badoo by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, 
Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.